What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. Index finger and middle finger. Your mouth, teeth, ear, even. Yeah. Um, Enjoyment, smiles of the face. Yeah, your uh, your forearm. Like, sometimes different noises. Luscious laughter. <laughs> luscious laughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Luscious, luscious fruits. Hanging fruits. Hanging. Luscious low hanging fruit. What? What is a low hanging fruit though? Um. Well. Uh. Literally would be something that's on the lowest branch. Yeah, well, I mean, literally, yeah. Like, <clears throat> fruit of the poisonous tree. It can be. You know? Or it's the easiest, you know, figuratively, right, would be the... So, uh, that's the that's the bottom of the barrel. The easiest to get to. The easiest route. Yeah. like The road-hunted buck. Some would consider... Exactly, I was going to say. Some would consider the little forkies that I shoot low-hanging fruit. Would that be so, low-hanging fruit, or would that be fruit of the poisonous tree? Uh, mm. Or would grip and grin be fruit of the poisonous tree? Mm. And the little forky well, would be the low-hanging, low-hanging fruit. fruit. Yeah, I mean, it could be seen that way. I don't see it that way, but yeah. The grip and, could be. Wait, wait, wait. The grip and grin of the roadkill buck <laughs> can With a be, bow. You're like, wait, let me go get my bow. With a bow. But maybe it was shot with a rifle. Could that be fruit of the poisonous tree that was the low-hanging fruit? Those are low-hanging fruit humans that take advantage of animals that aren't low-hanging fruit. That aren't low-hanging fruit? Yeah, that's how I would... So are you saying that road hunting is bad? No, definitely not. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I'm saying if somebody shoots something with a rifle and then and poses then claims, with, it, with a with a whatever, people with a bow, do that. Of course they do. Isn't that yeah. ridiculous, though? Of course it is. I mean, you know, the, the only reason why it's ridiculous is because we have um, social media. Do you think that that's why they do it? Because I bet you. Of course it is. I bet you. Because there would be no other reason. Like, who else? What are you doing it for yourself? Like you. Yeah, that'd be weird. You know They're just I mean? doing it for the show. Of course it the is. The likes. Of course it is. You saw that meme that I posted the other day of the likes. Yes. That was, no, that's what it has to be for that. Yeah. What else would it be for? Yeah. I mean, that's just so interesting. I know I know of somebody who has... That has done that? Has done it multiple times, and everybody gives him credit for bow kills. And I only know because I know people that were with them on the hunts when they did it so obviously that right there is only for um for likes what would be the other like let's say in the 1950s you did that (laughs) what would that be for like you're a psychopath or something like nobody else is looking nobody else can you didn't i guess maybe you had a camera back then but probably not yeah like that'd be weird to do so of course it's for social media that's the only vehicle that that travels with is because now you can post a picture and have anybody view it yeah is before and you look better because you're with a bow because you have a bow or something is before unless someone was looking at your family photo album unless you were published in a magazine 
right. nobody was going to see your photo. Or maybe in like a blog picture or something. Not a blog picture. A forum. But... Not in the 50s, though. Not in the 50s. <laughs> Fuck no. In the 50s, no. you're looking... Yeah. Was there even hunting magazines in the 50s? Yeah, I get There was like Field and Stream. Hollings Field and Stream been around. I have been no idea. I'm not that educated. That's like a Stephen Rinella question. And I'm not There's Stephen some Rinella. old... Yeah, no, there's some old ones. But yeah, that would be, I guess, the only... Even then, a lot of those were just likenesses. Like, the covers of those old things weren't actual pictures. They were, like, kind of a painting. Yeah, well, it was like a drawing. Because they weren't... Real, they weren't... I mean, there was cameras, but... I, they I weren't doing they... images in magazines, right, right? I don't think. I don't think so either. Maybe. We'll have to look. I mean, I have... But, well... I mean, I have uh, magazines... Not magazines. Newspapers from pre-World War One that were... Do they have images or well, do they some have... of it would be images, but a lot of it I think I'd would be, look, a, man, would be a, I, a picture. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if they did have, have serious images in it. They've got to have something. Fruit of the low-hanging tree. <laughs> look. <laughs> it, yeah, you guys can't see that. Are we recording right now? Yeah. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, Hans is uh, being a, a creeper. Looking right? through the window at us, it's awesome. Right. Um, Into the Christmas. No, party. some of it had some of it had to be pictures. Yeah, because there's, there's pictures of World War One, and there's you know, I mean, yeah, for sure, there's pictures, pictures of, of cowboys and stuff. So and Indians, and Indians, yeah. taking on that those tin foil thing. I don't know, that stuff's crazy. Yeah, old photos are pretty crazy. Old photos are how rad. They, how they figured that out? Yeah, the pinhole thing and all that. Yeah, smash explosion flash. I don't. I don't get how you fir- how you figured that out the first time. Like somebody's like, yeah. Let me just try this out and see if that. Like I don't get the beginnings of things. It's really yeah. Like who figured out you can take Tylenol? Yeah. Or who figured out what plants you can eat and not die? Do you know what I figured can tell that out you? And just died. You know what and I can tell you to. about photography? Hmm. Is that my uncle figured out how to take photos underwater with the right exposures. That's right. After trial and error and trial and error and trial and error. Um, Which is insane. Like, when he tells me the lengths that they went to, I mean, it makes how sense. How far down? Was that like... Just underwater in the just ocean. Just underwater at just all. Just underwater in the ocean. Okay. They were going down 20 feet, 40 feet, okay. whatever. I mean, they were doing so dive submerged. trips at the Farallons, all different kinds mm. of stuff. But uh, what they had to, what they were, the problem they were running into is that when the flash was going off, all of the film was getting overexposed red because of the reflection from the water or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. stuff beyond me, I'm sure. I don't know anything. But about yeah, it. yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know anything about it. So while we I should talk this, about it like we know about it, like we're educated. Yeah, I'm not educated. I can't even about make up words that would sound right. Right about it. I would right be. Now. I'm down to try though. Probably has something to do with refraction though. Yeah, refraction, of light refraction in the water. Why wouldn't it? Yeah. On the spectrum. And the spectrum of colors. Yeah. Well, I know a lot about the spectrum of colors because that's my job. But so when <laughs> that is true. So when they were what they were doing is they were dipping the flash bulbs in different colors. So when the flash would go off, it would be under a different color, right? So eventually, going through different shades of blue, 
they got the images underwater to come out correct because it was leveling out the overexposed red. And that's that's how they started taking underwater photography. So that would be only for the black ocean. What if they went to Hawaii where the ocean's clear and it's in the daylight? Because when I because I've taken pictures underwater and there's no flash needed because it's freaking yeah. But camera and everything like that is fucking gone light years. No, but I'm wondering if if they back then if what it was like in clear ocean water. I could Probably ask him easier. next time I talk I wonder, to him. I'll yeah, ask him because out here it's not. I'll be with him Friday. Out here it never is. So, yeah. right? It's pretty freaking black everywhere you go. Yeah, it's like, dark. It's dark. It's dark. But sometimes the water looks perfect blue. Sometimes it does. Perfect yeah. blue. Hmm. I don't know anything about all that stuff. That's okay. Yeah, we're not here to talk about oceanic photography. We should. Jacques Cousteau's coming in any second. So is he? Well, I, I knew we were going to talk about this, so he's. Yeah, he's kind of late. You booked him in Nevada right now. Yeah, yeah. I knew we'd go this route. Yeah, right. Oceanography. Why not? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever been spearfishing? Oh yeah. So <clears throat> that's something I really want to do because it just spear seems fishing? like one. Have of you the... ever gone abalone diving? No. Are you kidding? I've never done. Oh, that. dude, never I got done. two tubes and a few wetsuits. We're the same size. Let's go. Okay. I've never done that. Put your money where your mouth I've is. I've heard it's Actually, heard abalone it's season, abalone season's closed as shit. It is closed, yeah. I, but I was going to say. we I can still that. go spearfishing. Do you want to use a spear gun or do you want to use a Hawaiian sling? I prefer a Hawaiian sling. What's a Hawaiian sling exactly? Um, a Hawaiian sling. Um, so, like, my, you can get them into different parts, right? Into, so, you can make them different lengths. You can have them three feet, six feet. You know, yeah. I can't remember how long they get. So, like, for me... I always used a six-foot Hawaiian sling, and it's got a big band on one end, and it's got three prongs that when they spear something, they kind of separate, mm-hmm. right? So when they go in, they spread out. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you do is you put the band in your thumb, and then hold the sling or hold the spear in your other hand, and rubber band all the way to the tip, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you see the fish you want, you let go, mm-hmm. and it spears the fish. Mm-hmm. So you have to get within, you know, six feet. It's amazing. Yeah. When you sit on the surface <clears throat> of the water, and you're watching all the aquatic life below you swim around, it's unreal. Because you're hunt. It's, I mean, you're bow hunting underwater, yeah. essentially. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like. No, it's always seemed really cool to me. The, I do not like sharks, though. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to, like especially here great whites are fucked because you man. can't see into the ocean that far and it's cold and there's just everything's against you here yeah and you know on the coast here yeah so i think about great whites all the time because they're just below you yeah and i've been in hawaii and i've seen sharks it freaks me out completely uh-huh. freaks me out because they're just a giant we're not native in the in the uh were you just talking about this in the last somebody you asked a question and it was like a dead eye question or something about a great white or a grizzly bear. What I think would you that was rather... Anthony. <clears throat> no, with Mike. With um, oh, did I ask Mike? You that? asked about would you rather be chased by a grizzly or a great white? Like would you rather? In the ocean oh, would, or so something? would you rather swim in shark infested waters yeah. or hike in grizzly infested? Of hills? course, it's on land because <laughs> that's your. We're not. We're, we're not allowed. We're not supposed to be in the ocean. Like, we can't just be like, all right, I'm gone. You can't, like, climb up a tree. You can't, like, we can't swim fast. Yeah. 
not that we can run outrun a bear, but at least we're in our natural environment. We're on our on our feet mm-hmm. instead of in the freaking water with a twelve foot maniac fish. Yeah, no, that's trying to eat you, and you don't even know it's there ever because it thinks you're just a cute little harbor seal. What's <sighs> up, you cute little harbor seal? And it's probably gonna take it's a bite out of you. your leg <laughs> first. Like a grizzly will come in and you're dead. <laughs> yeah, if if you. If but you, maybe you won't be dead. Maybe yeah. it's going to toy with you. Well. What if a grizzly bear runs up to you and gets on its hind legs and then just wants to bump chest with you? What would... Okay, so if you're going to be attacked, mm-hmm. would you rather be attacked by a great white or a grizzly bear? So I know a few people who've actually survived great white attacks. That happens a lot, yeah. Definitely. And, and I don't like, know anybody like one-legged personally. Now. I don't know anybody personally that's survived a grizzly bear attack. I know plenty of people that have died from grizzly bear attacks and from great white shark attacks as well. But yeah. personally, I know people that have been attacked by great whites and lived. And I would rather be attacked by a bear in the woods. For me. Yeah, I I mean, I would, what would you rather? Well, Okay, so if a great white attacks you, usually it's because it thinks you're a seal. So it takes a, a bite out, seal. and then it's like, so oh, cute. that's not a seal, and then they leave. So usually you're out of there with a pretty severe wound. You might be missing a leg or an arm or whatever. So that does happen a lot. Yeah. But it still is, that would just, you know. Yeah. That's like for real Jaws. The movie, Freddy Krueger might as well come out of that cupboard right there and attack you. Because there's, you know what I mean. Because Freddy Krueger's your homeboy. I'm just saying because you've seen Jaws, and that's actually can't happen. I mean, obviously not a shark that big, but yeah. something like that, like that would just completely freak you out forever for the rest of the time. You'd never go in the ocean ever again. To see a shark that big, to have it attack you, to have it just like. So you're saying that you, you get serious PTSD. Yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. Terrifying. But I'm halfway expecting a bear to attack me. Just because, have you, you know, just because I know they're there, and, and you have know, you ever they, had close encounters with a bear? Uh huh. How with, close? With, well, I've had a black bear charge me. Um, I've had so I've had a number of encounters with 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 grizzly bears and with um, with black bear. How do you go well, from spearfishing to black bears? Because it because of that great white of that sharks. Question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I was um, blacktail hunting deer um, in 2012, and I had just shot at a blacktail. I didn't know if I had hit it or not, and I heard something walking along and happened to be a bear with cubs. And That's fun. It, um, it was so close that I could hear it walking, right? But I couldn't see it yet, and it came over this hill, and I'm like, oh, crap, that's a bear. And at this point, it's like 25, 30 yards or something, which is fine. But then it had two cubs, and the two cubs ran directly at me. One of them ran past me, and one of them climbed the tree that was right next to me. Um, and uh, that sucked, because the, the mama bear, she kind of went running after one of the cubs. And I don't know if she knew the other one climbed the tree, so I was just trying to go the opposite direction that she was going. Backing up slowly, yelling at the bear and all that. I just had my bow. And uh, then she turned around because the cub that was up in the tree was making all kinds of noise. Mm-hmm. 
like it was in distress or something. <laughs> and she just started bluff charging me. Like really, really close. Yeah, I've never. That was a hundred percent the 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 most thrilling, um, scariest uh, time I've ever had in the in the forest for sure. Mm-hmm. And that went on for. It was probably all in all. It's probably only five minutes. Were you shaking which, at all? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like really bad. It, it was. I've I've never had my adrenaline spike that high. Really. I didn't sleep that night. I was sleeping in a tent. And I just couldn't, I couldn't go to sleep every, and it wasn't that I was necessarily like actively thinking about it all the time. I couldn't help it. Like I had to, every little twig I heard or every single thing I heard in the night was that bear, even though I knew it was a ridiculous idea. I was miles away from where I had this encounter, but my, my body and my senses just, it wouldn't let me, Yeah, wouldn't let me forget about that. Like I, I went into, you know survival mode or fight or flight or whatever mode and it was just I was there till the next morning that's insane what's crazy is the next the next morning I went out <laughs> and I heard a cub screaming down but I'd never heard a cub scream before mm-hmm. and I thought it was a it sounded like a mountain lion actually and so I just sort of went to the edge to check it out like god what's going on and uh I hear something walking towards me, but I can't see it. Like, what the heck? You know, is it a skunk or something coming my way? Because it was in the weeds and the grass. But obviously, if something was walking toward me, I'd be able to see it. Yeah. You know, because it wasn't the foliage wasn't that high. And like ten feet in front of me, out comes a cub again. The very next morning, and it's and it starts yelling at me, like rah, rah, like that. And I'm like, oh my god, are you kidding me? Like, what are the what are the chances of this? So I look around really quick. I didn't see any other bears and I just took off, took off running. Mm-hmm. Like, get freaking away from me. What's this cub doing following me? So I take off and probably 20 minutes later, I spot a buck. And um, this was before I had a rangefinder with um, inclination and declination on it. This is one of my first hunts in California, hunting hunting blacktail. And I ranged the deer. Um, I think I missed. And I was so I was like, how the heck did I miss? It was a downhill shot. I wasn't I wasn't used to that. I was used to tree stand hunting, which yeah, you're up there, but still it's only twenty yards away. So it's, it doesn't make that big of a difference. Yeah. But forty yards, fifty yards makes a big difference. Starts making the inches yeah. count. That's where I found out I was like, Oh, that's why we need these other range fighters. So this mm-hmm. is two thousand ten, I think, or whatever. So anyways, I missed that buck, and I hear something behind me. That cub had, like, dogged me the entire way, and it walked right up to my feet. Oh, wow. Yeah. So then I was like, I don't know what to do. I was like, God, this cub thinks I'm mom or something, and uh, I didn't know what to do. Like, I was thinking, it's lost. This is really weird that it's lost from its mom, you know? Like I Your mom to, now? I wanted to pick it up and, like bring it somewhere because I'm sure it's probably dead maybe it found its mom but I don't know what happened yeah. honestly I didn't shoot that bear <laughs> the mom the mama bear from the day before I almost did though I mean I was thinking I was going to have to she came pretty freaking close Yeah. but anyways yeah it was a crazy um, crazy bear experience and I've had pigs do that with me too like little piglets walk up to me and run between my legs I, I filmed that one out at Lake Sonoma 
That's some weird. I don't know. They think I'm mom. I had bigger boobs then. Maybe that. You're big, you Bob Ross out in the nature out there. Yeah. Just one with nature. They love you. It's weird. It'd be kind of cool to have a little. I thought about if you, if you had a pig, a piglet, and you could train it somehow to smell the other pigs. And take you to them. To take you to them. I mean, them. that's what's up. That would be the best. Is that even possible? Is it possible? I don't know. Yeah. Is that... Would that be legal? I don't, I don't know. know. In that California, cool, some somehow, some way, I'm sure it wouldn't be. <clears throat> I think they have a better nose than a hound dog, so... They might. That'd be kind of a cool thing to try out. They might. Anyways. So, full circle. Yeah. We're going to go diving sometime. Okay. In the ocean with great white sharks. I can't remember the guy's name on this is this the guy I watch all the time, Jim, uh, Jim something in Watsonville. Uh huh. Do you know who I'm talking about? No, I don't. He's got a amazing. I don't follow anybody that dives because I don't care. You should though, because okay. he, he's he's really interesting. What about Valentino, that girl? Uh, don't know who you're talking about. Uh, you're you're gonna want to follow her. Why? Because you'll like her. Why? You'll like to follow her. Why? Because she's very nice to look at. She's attractive. Dude, she... Okay, um, yeah, so she ended up being on Joe Rogan's podcast also. Uh-huh. And so maybe you saw that. But anyways, she, I don't know what her story is. She was a lawyer or something, and she gave it all up. And it's all she does is dive now and eat fish that she... And tries to get sponsorships and stuff. But she's legit. Like, she's a legit diver and, and spearfisher woman. Um but she's really cool to actually. I mean, she's she has good content. I'm not. It's not just because of her looks. She actually has good content. Yeah. She's not a, a dietress or whatever you know, huntress kind of. You know what I mean? She's legit. Yeah. But anyways, this gym guy read something. I don't know anything about spearing, but he does YouTube videos and they're so freaking good. Really. Like really, really good. So I watch that and I'm like, that looks like bow hunting in the ocean. Yeah. And that seems like fun, even though I'm scared of it. My buddy Andrew makes. I don't know, like six or eight foot long spear guns mm-hmm. from scratch. And that his biggest thing that he loves about bow hunting is that it's as close to spear fishing as he can get. He just absolutely loves it. He said that there's, there's nothing that's the same as sitting there and floating in the water and the uh, the aquatic life just settles yeah. and then you just go in for your kill and he's one of the best spear fishermen I know he's just ridiculous absolutely ridiculous and then a great white comes through the hammerheads down where he's at oh I'm sure there's great whites but he sees hammerheads on a regular basis that's in Southern California yeah man I just they were actually they were getting vicious in the last two years. They were starting to attack people and, and kind of getting chaotic down there. It's not the other stuff that's fun too with diving is uh, lobster diving in California. Yeah, because they're uh, yeah they don't have them. They don't have their pinchers. pinchers. Yeah, they don't have pinchers, which makes it um, fun. Yeah, no, I follow a couple of people who do that too, and that just looks. I mean, I love lobster. I love eating lobster. So the yeah. idea of going down and getting a, a lobster would actually, I would like that more than anything because I like lobster so much. Lobsters get. So I would rather hunt that yeah. than anything. Right. Just because I want to go home and eat lobster <laughs> more than a striver or more than a whatever you're, yeah. you're going to get down there. Sturgeon's good. 
Striper's uh, all right. Breaded and fried, striper's good. Yeah. Abalone breaded and fried is the most unreal food you've ever had in your life. <clears throat> I'm sure I'd like it, but it's funny when I talk to people about it. Some people like it, and some people don't. I'm sure I'd like it. Because I like sea urchin. I can eat that. I can uh, eat basically any I think, and, and I'll relate this to deer, dude. If somebody ever tells me that they've had abalone and they didn't like it, yeah. it's because it wasn't cooked right or it wasn't prepared right. Sure. That's the, that. It's exactly like venison, where I meet people my whole life that are like, venison's garbage and I won't eat it. Wild game's gross. And then, like, how was it cooked? Well done and fucked up. And it's like, well, there's your problem. You can't have any red meat well done, for one thing. Yeah. Especially well done. Sashimi red meat is the best. Yeah. Hot <laughs> seared. <laughs> yeah. For, like, 30 seconds. Yeah. If you can, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. There's a sushi restaurant down by you, sort of, called Blowfish. And they Where's do... Where's Blowfish? They do a, a, a filet mignon sashimi seared sashimi essentially hmm. it's actually it's dynamite man it's really really I'm down for that I love like prime rib freaking pull it right out of the cow yeah put it like run it across the heater yeah and give me some uh, horseradish yeah and right. I'm good right so Charles Whitlaw <laughs> diver professional <laughs> diver yeah yeah not pig ninja. Just got into it, but I'm a professional already. Just got into it right now. California extraordinaire A zone <laughs> dominant diver. Diver. Dominic? Dominant. Dominant. Dominant, yeah. Dominant. Yep. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. It's a privilege to have you back. Thank you for having me on. You had quite you had quite an amazing season this year. You have a lot going on. Um, I believe we've been trying since January to connect Yeah. on this podcast. We're now in the near the end of April, yeah. which for anybody listening, this podcast probably won't make it out until June. Yeah. Uh, because you've been podcasting like crazy. I've been... Building up a bank. Been building up a bank. So it's not that we couldn't connect we talk all the time it's just we, we do we talk we, we wanted to do it in person we talk like once or twice a week yeah we wanted to do it in person yeah and, and i well i refuse to do them i, I have a real difficult time yeah. doing podcasts over the phone no that's a good rule it is um so i live in pacifica and i wanted i needed to come up here anyways mm-hmm. um to so where are we we're at west coast archery shop we're at west coast archery shop petaluma california which actually is your pro shop yes. that you use. It is. It's also the one that Anthony and I use. Yeah. But you use it, and you come from Pacifica. Yeah. So I have been... Um, so before West Coast kind of sponsors me for different things and through Bowtech. So before that, I've been coming up here because... Hans simply does an amazing job. <laughs> so I've been driving all this way. Um, and I for have, years, and I have been close, coming up here for a long time. For a long time, yeah. yeah. Because I, I got the, the the archery shop, pro shop, that's close to Pacifica. Um, I had been going there for a long time. But the owners had retired. And they, at the time, you know, to my knowledge, I think they knew what they were doing. But anyways, they retired and, like, some kids took over or something. And it was... I couldn't get fletchings without them flying off the next time I would go shoot them, you know, or something like that or whatever. 
So I was like, man, I got to find, I don't know how I ended up, I, I don't know how I ended up coming up here, but maybe somebody told me about it or and I just decided like this, to try it out I'll or something. Give it a shot. So I came up here and, and then, you know, the first thing was seeing that Hans bow hunts a lot. So that was huge. And I'm like, oh, because you he's actually a, a hunter. Yeah, you're actually yeah. a hunter. Yeah. A lot of the guys that I talk to at other shops, they're like target shooters. That's all they do. And I'm yeah. like, well, that's cool, but you can't really relate to me with the equipment that I need for hunting and whatnot. So, yeah, I don't know how long it's been. I've been coming here for for a while. Yeah. Um, I don't know, six, six years, probably. Something like that. No idea. But anyways, that's where we are. That's where we are. And you got your little podcasting station here. Yeah. A little Christmas closet. I like it. Yeah. We were, well, it was going to be a little Christmas sleeping bag. We'll do that next. We should build a fort. Yeah. Like a blanket fort. I'm down. And start doing podcasts in a blanket fort. In a blanket fort. Then we won't have to worry about the noise on the outside. Yeah. It'll be like our own little chamber. Our own little, you know, Andy and Charles world. That's a different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. So you had a pretty epic 2018 season. Um... Yeah. So it, we had the opportunity to hunt together. That's right. In A zone. A couple times actually we hunt didn't we hunt for pigs? We hunted for, for pigs for like together a day. too. Yeah. You came out for a day. I yeah, think. for like a, a weekday. Mm-hmm. A day and a week. Yeah. A week and a day. It was like a Friday. Was it a Friday? Or maybe at the Thursday. I think it was a Tuesday. Was it a Tuesday? I think so. Could have been a Tuesday. I don't know. Could have been a Wednesday. I actually took time off of work for it. Yeah, it was a weekday for sure. Yeah. I like hunting weekdays. Yeah, you do. That's, that's why I know I know it's a weekday. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But then we hunted um, for a few days for deer. For like two days. Two days. Because my trip got cut short. Yeah, that's right. Friday. That's right. We hunted a Friday and a Saturday. That's right. And you were going to hunt a Sunday, but you couldn't. It got cut short. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's right. So you actually had some pretty good success in A zone. Uh, yeah, I uh, hunted. So I basically only hunted this in 2018. I hunted in Cloverdale, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is close to here. And. Um, for deer, I hunted the second week of the season in July, so whatever dates that were was. Um, John Stallone came out and hunted um, with me, and I missed two deer. No, I missed three deer. Did you really? I think I missed three deer. Oh no way! Yeah. Um. God, did I miss three deer? Yeah, I missed three deer. I um. Basically, I had an arrow bounce off of a of a big boar. Yeah, I, was, I had an, a, a mechanical broadhead. <laughs> right, and uh, I thought I killed that thing too. And then I went and looked at my arrow, and I kid you not, it had a quarter of an inch of penetration on a boar. Yeah. So what did it hit the shield? Yeah. Okay. I mean, the shield's kind of a remarkable <clears throat> thing. I saw somebody like a month and a half ago. Tagged a boar, which looked like it was going to be a good shot. And it literally went in, ricocheted off of the shield, and came out the top of the shoulder. Like, went in and bounced straight up. And came out shooting straight up in the air. So, there's some... um, 
this might be true or not. I, I don't know if it's necessarily the shield. I mean, the shield helps for sure, but it's everything else. So generally on a, on a big bore, so their hair is super coarse and it's usually caked with mud. And then you have a bunch of gunk in there and a bunch of just stuff in between that shield and their ribs. But the one thing with the big boar is their ribs are, so I'm holding up fingers for you. You know how like with a deer or whatever, or an elk, you got a lot of space between ribs. With pigs, especially on a big boar, like the space is, is so small. So in between the ribs. So chances are you are hitting a rib dead on. And if you don't, even if you do hit it, in between the ribs, I'm talking about on a big boar. Yeah. Um, you are, especially if you're using a mechanical, that mechanical has to zip through their bones, which mechanicals aren't good for bones. I mean, it'll, I've killed pigs with mechanicals, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, you know, yeah, they have to open up, they have to expand, there's energy I've seen, loss. Was it a tripan? Yeah. I saw a tripan cut through five rib bones of a deer, just sliced right, right. through them like butter. I think you maybe you saw that too. Yeah, but it's different with a pig. Yeah, they're, they're for they're, sure. They're, they're well, it's thicker. Tighter. There's yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's tighter. Um, there, I I actually think I hit the pig that I'm just talking about. I think I hit it. It was quartering away, and I think I hit it on the um, where the back of the ribs start. Uh huh. That's where I think I hit it. Oh wow. Um, my arrow literally just bounced off of it. So what would you tell somebody if they're going to aim and shoot at a pig? What are they looking for? Don't shoot it in the shoulder. <clears throat> well, a pig yeah. or a big boar? I mean, there's honestly, and this is something I've really been thinking of, like, concentrating on lately and learning lately, yeah. is there's a big, big, big difference. Um, so I wouldn't use a, I would use a fixed blade mm -hmm. for one. Um, I would use a an arrow setup that is. We can talk about it right now. I'm literally right now. Hans is building a, my new hog, yeah. hog hammer. Well, and that was kind setup. of what I wanted to talk to you about because yeah. I know that you're running two different arrow types. I am now. Yeah. You know, you're using one for deer. Yeah. And you're going to be using one for pigs. Yeah, I'm no longer going to. <clears throat> when I'm pig hunting, um, I'm going to have an arrow specific for that. I'm not going to try and do both. Yeah. It just doesn't. Um, my my. My pig shots are generally 40 yards or less. And a lot of times it's less, a lot less than that. So I'm going to be shooting a 600 grain arrow um, with a fixed blade. What fixed blade are you going to be using? 150 grain kudu point. Now, why did you end up choosing a kudu point over like a thunderhead or... Okay, so I don't know how long... Well, this must have been when I was started elk hunting yeah it had something to do with elk hunting because you have in idaho you have to shoot fixed blades mm -hmm. so i bought every fixed blade for the most part that i could find magnus g5 um kudu point um satellite yeah, i've seen g5s bunch, crumple bunch of them bunch yeah. of them right yeah and i went to the range and shot them and just decided all right which one's flying the best just untuned which one's flying the best. And then I tuned my bow um, by rest tuning it. Everything else I think was tuned, you know, pretty good. It was, it was in time and all that. So I rest tuned it to where you get all that figured out. And the kudu points flew the best. So that's why I went with kudu point. Mm -hmm. And it's been a while now since I've, 
you know, I've been using them for, for a while, but I don't always use them because I like to use, um, uh, if I get a new bow or a different type of a hunt that I'm doing, sometimes I'll want to use a mechanical because it's, it's so much easier if you switch up equipment or something like that and don't have to tune for your fixed blades. It's just easier to use mechanical because they fly great out of the box mm-hmm. without any, without much change. So sometimes I find myself in that position where here I am pig hunting. I haven't tuned my, my fixed blades or, or maybe it's because I want to try a new mechanical because somebody goes, oh no, you need to try this one because this one is better than the other one. So I do that. I like to try a lot of different stuff. Yeah. And I will not use a mechanical broadhead on a pig ever again. I've killed a bunch of pigs with mechanical broadheads, but I'm not going to do it ever again. Not anymore. I will not do it ever again. I, I might have in my quiver mechanical broadheads, but I'm going to have in that same quiver a fixed blade arrow in case I come across a pig. And more importantly, in case I come across a big boar, because that's really what it is, is, is big boars specifically. I need maximum penetration on those things. Well, and I, that's this, also why you're going from what were you shooting before as far as to overall weight? Because you're going up to 600. 600 yeah. as far as I'm concerned. That's pretty heavy. So arrow. I have 450 grain arrows and 495 grain. Mm-hmm. Those are the two that I have used. But um, a month ago, I shot the biggest boar I've ever shot in my life. 30 yards away, I had my um, my Pierce Platinum, uh, gold tip Pierce Platinum, mm-hmm. with 125 grain expandable broadhead on there. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't even really mean to be hunting. I was out with my son. We came across a bunch of pigs on a hillside. They were just like fooling around up there. I'm like, oh man, I got the bow. Might as well. Let's go. Let's go put a stalk on them. Get in on them. 30 yards away from this big boar, I can see his tusks hanging out and his sows are all over the place. And uh, I'm like, ah, oh, it's 30 yards. You know, 450 grain arrow. I shoot it. I see it run off and I knew immediately this is going to suck. My arrow is basically. 80% of it is sticking out, mm-hmm. sticking out the side. And, uh, so it had no penetration. No, no. And, um, I found some blood. I didn't find enough blood. I ended up finding it like a week later and, uh, I got a skull and everything. Freaking just a monster, giant tusks, biggest tusks ever that I've ever had. And that was when I said, I'm never doing this again. Cause I've done that so many times. Mm-hmm. Lost a pig. I've lost a pig because of that. I made a great shot, but did not get penetration. Uh-huh. It's happened to me a lot. Sub 30 yards. Close range, exactly. Yeah. I'm not saying that you can't do it. I'm not saying that sometimes it doesn't slip in there, because it does. But I know when I'm doing it right with a fixed blade and I have the right amount of weight, kinetic energy and all. See, I'm only my draw length is only 28, 28 inches, so I'm not getting the speed a 30-inch guy is getting. I'm not, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm going the 600 grains. So it's 75 grain insert up front with 150 grain um, broadhead. A, um, a what is it? Kinetic chaos. Yeah, gold tip kinetic chaos. And um, that equals, uh, I think it's like just under 600 grains, 595 or something. We'll weigh them today. Yeah. Later. So, so that's what I'm using for that. Maybe I'll use that for everything. We'll see how it flies. Yeah. I don't know. Depending on the distance you can get out of it? Yeah, depending on the distance. Because you made a um, switch this year on your, as far as your sight goes. I did. It's not legal in every state, but I uh, 
after my South Dakota hunt, I switched to um, the Garmin uh, Zero. Mm-hmm. And that's basically just because I, maybe it has to do with the way that I hunt. I get a lot of shots where I don't have a lot of time to... Um, I don't know what it is, but I get in pretty close to animals generally, but yeah. my window <laughs> is really small to shoot that animal. Yeah. And, well, let's step back. So I was using a single pin slider. I decided to try that last year, right? Um, that, I did great. I mean, I, I shot four animals with it, but I'm, I'm done with it forever. Like, it's too much time, too much adjusting. It's not what I like to use. It's not... I don't like moving the sights. You know, mm-hmm. I don't like guessing. Um, I like to range, and I like to know exactly what it's going to be. I can do that with a five pin, which I normally, which I always have. If I do that with a single pin, and let's say I'm sneaking around, I have it set at you know 45 yards. But if it's not, if I range, and then it's at 20, like that takes time. So I have to range. That takes time, and then the animal a lot of times will then move. Then I have to range it again, and then I have to worry about changing my sight. Mm-hmm. You know bringing it down so anyways i went to the garmin zero and i said oh i'm just gonna try this and um that has been um i did i've I've killed um i've shot one pig with that but i've used it a lot you know at the range and just running around and everything the the amount of time from acquiring you know from seeing a target getting the range and shooting is lightning fast it's crazy Mm -hmm. so i've had zero issues with it um, I'm going to use it where it's legal. I'm going to use it in California for sure. It's going to be excellent for pig hunting because they're always moving. Yeah. Pigs, so, and it has, you know, you can, you can scan with the range finder. So if the animals are moving, scan, 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 scan. As soon as it stops, you let go of the button, your, your sight comes up like faster than I just said that. And you can shoot it. Yeah. I mean, it's that fast. Yeah. So, and it's a single pin essentially. Cause that's what comes up is, is just one pin unless you want, it has another mode where you can, have all five you can drop them all whatever else that, how yeah. many every ranges you've set however many ranges you've set yeah exactly so um i can't use that in south dakota i just looked that up because that was specifically kind of why i got it because south dakota hunting mule deer i was running in the deer like crazy yeah it was your first mule deer hunt. it's my first mule deer hunt and uh with a bow I, yeah i guess i i i have uh i did shoot a mule deer with a, with a gun but um that was my first mule deer hunt, and it was a first in so many different uh, aspects as far as hunting that type of an animal. That type of animal likes to, it's a it's um, kind of like an antelope where they, they sort of like to hide in the open yeah, and see you, but, you know, they'll be 500 yards away or whatever and, uh, and take off. Um, so that was that was different. Learning how to hunt them and learning how to stalk them, and um, um, and I got plenty of shots. I did kill a mule deer, and I also um, unfortunately uh, wounded a mule deer. And um, but it's all it's all a learning experience that happens. Yeah. Is Hans laughing at me over there. No, he's playing around with salami. Balls. Hans doesn't wound animals. That's why he's laughing at me. I don't judge people. That's good. For wounding animals? No. It happens. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as far as the sights go, I'm the kind of person that um, 
I, I love to try new things and see if it works out for me or not. Yeah. I'm not against, you know, if, if for whatever reason something comes out and they're like, oh, this is this is the next best thing or whatever else, um, I'll try it just because I like trying gear. Yeah. But there's, you know, my standards are 5-pen. That's what I'm used to my entire life. My brain is wired for a 5-pen. Right. When I switch it up, um, it screws me up if, if I'm if I'm not actively thinking about it and I draw on an animal, my first pin is always in my brain a 20 yard pin. I've switched it where my first pin was 30 <laughs> and that screwed me up. Before, yeah. Cause I'm just wired for that's, that's what I always think, <laughs> you know, so, you're always like, Oh, it's 20. Oh wait, that's 30. Yeah. So I took a marker and wrote it on my, I wrote 30 right next to the sites on the, on the, um, on the riser like a gold marker so it so it shows so you don't up mess that one. <laughs> yeah so hopefully i look at that and then it you know then that shows up but yeah I, you know it's probably best to stick with the same equipment and stick with stick with what what works for you mm-hmm. um but there might be something better out there you don't know about. don't complicate the process yeah don't complicate the process right? i feel like i hunt enough times though where it's like i can kind of fool around with different things, because I'm gonna go back. Well, out. you're not just focused on a deer season, no. Because you're do, you're hunting as much as you possibly can every single month of the year. Yeah. So you have more opportunity to, to kind of learn yeah. what is going to work best for you. Yeah, and pigs are great to practice on. If you're going to try out new stuff, try it out on pigs because you got 365 days to hunt them. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Definitely. So what? I mean, you talked about your arrows. You talked about your broadheads. Are you? I mean, are you doing any sort of special fletchings? Are you just running blazers, or are you doing four fletch, or what do you? I don't know what they are. Uh, they, I, I don't know what they are. But are you using I, like two inch, three inch, four inch? Okay, so my I do have four fletched arrows that seem to um, that seem to navigate my fixed blades. That, that was one thing I was playing around with, and that navigates my fixed blades. Uh, a little better mm-hmm. and those are three inch and they're low profile uh-huh and then my uh i don't i don't have blazers i i'm, I'm i usually shoot a lower profile um um offset uh fletch but i don't know what they i don't know what they are and was there a reason why you decided to go with that instead of some uh, something else with low profile fletching um, cause I, so I asked just it, because anybody that might want to be getting into archery, it's what shoots the best for you. Yeah. So it was a while ago. I used to shoot four inch fleshings yeah. for up until rather recently mm-hmm. and they've always flown great for me. Yeah. Um, I think Hans probably talked me into trying something else. He's like, just try it see if it, see if it flies, you know, right. And so we've played around with a bunch of stuff and, uh, again, that was a result of just playing around with stuff but the four fletch i i do like because it's it it navigates my my fixed blades um a little better for sure mm-hmm. but i don't know what they're called no yeah. idea gold tip arrows i know i shoot gold tip arrows <laughs> and then do you have like a specific type of gear that you hunt in or you mean um like clothes yeah like are you using merino or are you using synthetics um yeah, most of it's merino. Um, I have a mixture of. Uh, currently, I probably wear mostly first light, um, but I have definitely a bunch of kuyu that I mix in there, um, and then 
on the hunt in South Dakota, um, John has all Sitka. I think he's sponsored by them or something, so he had all kinds of stuff. And they make, it seems like they make a lot of, like, really cold weather gear, or they maybe ex- excel in that. I don't like their summer stuff. I've, mm-hmm. I've tried it. To me, it feels way too sticky. So, like, yeah, I don't like that. I like First Light and QU as far as that goes. Um, but he had on a uh, some kind of a soft shell jacket or whatever that he wasn't using. I'm like, hey, man, let me use that. Cause it had, like, it was hey, so, man, it it's was, cold. It was so windy also. Yeah. And I don't like to puff way up, but he had a windstopper, soft shell, something, whatever else. So I wore that. I was like, God, this thing's awesome. Um, so I ended up buying one of those. So, yeah, you'll see me with all three on a lot. But it's 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 generally first light Kuyu or my one my one Sitka jacket. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So if someone was gonna come to you and ask you for advice on either, you know, getting into archery deer hunting or archery pig hunting, how would you recommend to them to pick up a bow? Like what would you tell them? Like you know, go get a, go get a mission, go, you know, what, mm-hmm. how would you direct them? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll take a, uh, so somebody that, okay, somebody that I don't know, somebody that's listening to this podcast, um, buy the best that you can afford. Um, first of all, so go to an archery shop and if you can afford it, Buy higher-end bow, buy higher-end boots, buy higher-end everything, if you can, whatever you can afford. Because generally, you know, if, if, the, if the pro shop is worth their salt, um, they're going to direct you in the right direction. They're not going to sell you a gimmick. Yeah. Um, and so figure out what your budget is. Go and test out, um, you know, the bows. See what just feels best for you. They're all really good. Well, and what I like yeah. what you're talking about too is you're talking about going to a pro shop instead of going to a Dick's or going to oh, a yeah. Sportsman's Warehouse or a Bella's <laughs> yeah. or a Bass Pro. Right. Because I don't even know what they sell there. Do they sell the top bow? I don't do that. Like Shields, Cabela's, yeah. uh, Bass Pro, I'm sure. They've, yeah. But they don't really have a. They got a pro shop guy that they're, they're paying minimum wage probably or something. So, I mean, you can... Only, they're not dedicated to their work. They're not dedicated. I mean, and of course they're not going to be. And I'm not yeah. bashing on them. It's just, you know... It go is with, what it is. Go with... Hans, for instance, does this for a living. That's his... That's how he pays for his house and his, takes care of his family and whatnot. So, he's going to... The, the quality of work is going to be a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, go with what, with what you can afford. Um... Well, look up and find a pro shop in yeah. your area. Yeah. You know, wherever you live. And there's plenty of them. And there's a bunch. I mean, yeah. all over all over our state in California, there's a bunch. Yep. But the biggest thing would be, um, you know, gosh, with boots, figure out what works for you. Don't take anybody's advice on boots. There's, I could name three of the top boots right now, but I don't know what's going to fit your foot. What's going to fit your foot. The best. Um, yeah, because those are different. Everybody's feet are different. Um, there's, you know, super feet insoles. A lot of people, they always say, get the green insoles. They're awesome. Well, the green insoles are for people with a certain arch. So, but the black ones and the red ones and the yellow ones and all, those are, they're all arch specific. So yeah. 
you can get that tested. You can get those things figured out to figure out which which um, supports, which insoles best. fit your foot and all that. So do things like that. Be smart about it. I wouldn't. I would never buy anything because somebody online on Facebook, you know, said, you know, go get these boots or whatever. I mean, that it just might not fit your foot. Yeah. You know, so test all that stuff out. But the biggest thing as far as um, being proficient is, is um, you know, all you really need is a bow to kill something. So practice and get really, really efficient, efficient um, with your bow. And you can basically take any bow um, and be pretty dang accurate with it. Some of, them are, some of them are a little more forgiving and some of them aren't. Um, but you don't know any better if that's your first bow. You don't know what feels the best and you know you don't know what this next bow is going to do or whatever else. So just whatever it is that you can get, you can get pretty... Whatever it is you can buy, you can get pretty good with that with that piece of equipment, I think. Because yeah. I've shot like my son's bow or my wife's bow, which are like the multi-adjustable. You can go from 15 pounds to 60 pounds kind of a thing and, and you can, you know, the draw length goes from 18 inches to 30 inches. So the the bow you can that does everything those aren't the most accurate those aren't the most um, precise bows but i shoot those um, sometimes to show them kind of what can be done just because i have a better form and i know how to shoot better than they can i'm like well let me take your bow and just show you what it can do it's not my bow it's not my equipment but and i might not hit the bullseye but the arrows are going to be um, consistently hitting in the same place and that's always what you want the bullseye stuff is just changing, you know, moving your sights to your rest or whatever. Yeah. You want your arrows to hit in the same spot. Just like if you're shooting a rifle, you want your rounds to hit in the same spot. And if they're all within an inch at 200 yards, but it's six inches left of the target, that's perfect. That means you're dead on. That just means you need to move your, your sights over. So, you know, the six inches, so it hits it in the bullseye. Yeah. But you're hitting it within an inch. Yeah. That's what you want. Yeah. That means your form is good. Yeah. So everything so, else is just the mechanics. Of the bow. You got your bow, and you're gonna go hunt, right? Mm-hmm. What would you recommend for somebody that, you know, if they were gonna go pig hunt, you know, and they were gonna go to Lake Sonoma? Hmm. How would I mean? Because you you know it. <clears throat> yeah. I'm not saying give um, up your spots or anything like that. So I yeah I mean. I was, I, I, uh, somebody asked me this question today, actually, about some guy that moved here from, from out of state and wants to know about pig hunting in California. And there's a bunch of people saying, you know, here's the short answer. Don't, don't hunt on public land. Cause there's any pigs on public land. You're going to have to pay a guide and all that. And that can be true. And that can be false. Depends on the amount of time that you have. So my response to that was if you want to kill there's plenty of pigs on public land. If you want to kill a pig on, on public land, you have to treat that land, that specific public land that you're going to, you have to treat it as if you own it. And what that means is act like that land is in your backyard. What would you do if that was your backyard and it was 20,000 acres? You get to spend the days there, the nights there, the weeks there, every season there, and you keep coming back and you keep coming back and eventually you learn it. And like, then you can hunt it. Exactly. So you know where all the bedding areas are. You know what the wind is doing if a storm is coming from the north or from the south. You know how um, 
you know the thermals work and where it swirls and where it doesn't swirl um, to to uh, to not bust out the pigs out of their bedding area. Um, you learn the travel routes of the pigs, like the morning routes and the evening routes. Um, so that's all that it is, and I think that's just what people don't do. They'll go hunt on public land and scour the land for you know say four days. They're seeing sign, which means that they're there. That's the one thing with pigs, you're always going to see, if, if they are there, you're going to see the sign. And to me, that's, that's all that you need. You just need to know that there's sign there. The rest is either get really, really lucky or be prepared to, to spend, you know, a lot of time there. A yeah. lot, a lot of time. But that's what it is. And, and, and I don't know if people look at it this way or not. If, if you were to take the exact same person, a stranger, and pick out any for the most part, any piece of private land where there's an outfitter or a guide that's consistently getting pigs. If you took away the guide or the outfitter and just took that person and put them on that property, it's kind of, kind of be the same thing. They're not going to know where to go. That's what you're paying for in a guide is he knows all of those things. Yeah. (laughs) So he can put you on a pig immediately. Yeah. Um, so if you have the time and you can put that much time into it, then you're eventually going to kill a pig. You're eventually going to get on animals. And the same thing goes with deer. The same thing goes with hunting at, um, I mean, obviously there's areas where there's less animals and there's more pressure and all that. So yes, there's that. But if you're seeing sign, if you see deer tracks, if you see, you know, sheds, if you see rubs, if you see deer droppings, well, they're there. They're just ninjas. So, you got to be more of a ninja, you know, and it takes a lot of freaking time to, yeah. to put that into that. Um, so it, that reminds me of, so I, for the first time this past year when I was elk hunting, um, I took some buddies into, um, these canyons that I've been hunting since, uh, since 2013 and they're immediately on elk, you know, and somewhere along in the discussion, I said, you know, like the, had you just come to this unit, giant freaking unit, like I'm taking you to a place that I know and you're getting on elk immediately. <laughs> but when we go down the road or we go to the, you know, the grocery store or whatever else and you talk to other hunters and you're going to, you know, we heard people like, yeah, there's too many hunters here. We're not seeing anything and blah, 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 blah. We were on elk every single day, but I know those places really, really well. Yeah. And that's, it just takes a lot of time. It's just like everything. It takes a lot of freaking time to, to do that. And I don't know if people realize that when they go hunt with a, with a guy, like they're just, you know, they're kind of, um, you're, you're, you're following the guide around and he's, his job is to give you an opportunity. You got two days generally, if you're pig hunting, it's yeah. not a lot of time. Not if somebody all. realistically expects to kill a pig in two days, man, that's not the way it goes. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, there's a lot know. of pressure on you and you being a guide yeah. for pigs. There's a, ton of there's a lot of pressure on you yeah. to get the job done. And a lot of pressure you put yourself under as the guide. Like, all right, man, I got to do this and I got two days to get it done. Yeah. So I go to where I guide. I'm on those properties um, quite a bit on my own and just learning each time I go. Yeah. Yeah. Just so the next time I bring somebody, 
I can bring them to this other honey hole that I found and this other and and a lot of the times I don't um like honestly in the last um two years I really haven't pig hunted a lot but I've guided a lot but to me it's it's almost the exact same thing yeah I'm doing the same thing I would do anywhere yeah you know and I'm just bringing somebody along with me and they're they're pulling the trigger but when somebody kills something like when um when um um, Tim's son was just out and he just killed a, uh, turkey. a turkey. I was so excited. Like, I might as well killed that turkey. Yeah. And I'm not even a turkey hunter. I really could care less. But if I'm turkey hunting, if I'm out there hunting anything, once I'm in the hunting moment or, you know, scenario, yeah. I'm excited. I got, you know, I'm excited about rabbit hunting, and, well, but I'm just not sitting at home thinking about it. It's not something I'm obsessed with. I'm not, you know what I mean? But once I'm out there doing it, it's awesome. Something that you bring up, and it's a point that I like, and I was talking about this with a couple guys the other day, is getting to be part of the experience for somebody else or getting to be a part of the experience yeah. with a child, someone yeah. who's experiencing it for the first time. Mm-hmm. is such an unreal, amazing experience and getting to share that excitement with somebody else is so wonderful. You know what I mean? And and embrace that moment with them. You know, it's like what you're talking about with Tim's son the other day. Yeah. You know, and he shoots his first bird and you're just ecstatic and through the roof. You yeah. know what I mean? It's it's pretty it's a rewarding. I mean, for me cuz I take a lot of people out that are It is rewarding. Members. That's the that's a great word for it. You know, yeah. it's such a rewarding feeling, yeah. you know, and, and to get to a, be a part of that moment, especially with a father and son, mm-hmm. you know, and, and be in that memory forever. And and B, to witness it, I guess, you yeah. know, and, and see the excitement and the passion and the joy that we have mm-hmm. as hunters begin to be kindled in somebody else. It's, 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 yeah, it's very rewarding to be a part of that, to see it. It's, it's a, uh, it's a privilege and an honor, um, to be a part of that. Yeah. Sometimes I'm more excited than the hunter. I think because the hunter's like, they don't know what just happened. They don't know if they, they got, there's just so much going through their heads. This is their first time squeezing the trigger or, or shooting with, uh, you know, with a bow and arrow at an, at an animal or yeah. what, you know, things like that. And, uh, so sometimes, you know, it's dead before they do kind of a thing because you saw it hit or whatever else. And you, you know, it was good or, you know, it was bad or whatever. And, and, uh, there's just so much going through their, their minds. Um, you know, one thing that I, that I started doing is, um, this, this just happened a couple couple weeks ago is when you shoot an animal in the evening and uh and then you're tracking blood your head's down head's down on the ground you're tracking blood you're tracking tracks or whatever else um and then it then nightfall comes and it's completely dark and you're still you're still going you're still going and then you either find the animal or you don't whatever it is you find the animal or it's time to turn around lost blood or something like that and by now it's you know 10 30 at night so what i like to do because i always bring out a lot of newer hunters what i like to do is say all right so now what which way do you think we should go 
to get back. And that's how people get lost. And that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, so I don't bring it up beforehand. I just like to like, especially for somebody new, that's a really important thing is not, not to get lost. Cause it's really, really easy to do, especially if there, especially if there isn't like landmarks around, if there isn't a high mountain or a, or a, or a, uh, you know, a fire lookout or something on it that you can kind of gauge. navigate to engage. If it's just rolling hills and canyons where everything's kind of the same height, man, you can you can really get lost. You know, when it's pitch black outside. Oh know? yeah. So sure. um, that's been uh, one thing I just decided to throw into the. I, I'm trying to teach people stuff. Yeah. You know, so they can go out and. So they know Take what to the look for. Themselves. They know what to look for. They know the the patience that it takes. They know the um, um, how to get back out. It's not. It's easier said than done. Like you think, ah, you know. But once you get back there, you're like, crap, man. I'm all turned around and my head's been down for the last two hours. I don't know which way is what. You know, kind of a thing. What, so. Do you ever run into like uh, when you're out in the field? And maybe you get a little mixed up and it's like, all right, got to re- regain my ground, regain my bearings. And if it's like, even for me, you know, I mean, I'm pretty attentive. I pay attention to landmarks. I pay attention to all these different things, you know, and, and you're out there trying to explain this to somebody else. Not, well, I guess for me, not explain it to somebody else, but. You're with someone else out in the field. And for me, like, I'll miss opportunities where I could teach somebody something because it's so second nature to me. Right. Yeah. And I've, I'm so experienced in doing it. Yeah. That it is, it doesn't need, it's not even a blip on the radar. You don't something know that it's that a teachable needed, moment. That it, exactly. Yeah. You don't know that they don't know. Yeah. Because it seems obvious. Because it's you. so there. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're so plugged in and focused that it doesn't even brush right over it. So what I try to do is, especially hunting the same properties over and over again, to me it can get mundane, but that person has only been there for the first time in their lives. So I try to restart every single time and I try to keep it fresh in my head to repeat things because I'm not repeating it to the same person. <laughs> you know, you, you, you almost forget. You're like, ah, I just, I was here last weekend or whatever else, but that person wasn't here. So they're new. I have to treat it. And that, that's the, I, I think the mental part of, of guiding is, is a lot of, is a lot of that is, um, you know, the pressure of trying to get somebody an opportunity and then giving them a worthwhile, um, hunt, you know, not opportunity, but a worthwhile hunt. They're not just out there just to shoot. Um, they're out there to learn something. Um, they're out there to, to learn about their own gear, you know, and I'm not afraid like if somebody has something out, I'm like, well, think about it like this, like, what do you think about your gear right now? What do you think about your, here's, here's a perfect example. What do you think about your rangefinder that's inside of your Bino harness inside of the bino harness, not a range finder harness that's next to the bino inside of it. Mm-hmm. So you have a bow and we're going to sneak in on an animal. You're going to 
you know, open this up and take out your binos and then pull out your rangefinder. But people, if they haven't, they don't know that. If they're a first-time hunter, they're not thinking, holy crap, I only have seconds to do all of this stuff. Yeah. So um, having those things be accessible. And I always try to have extra stuff, so I'm like, wear this. I'm not, you know, I get it. Like, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I just want to, I want you to know this scenario can happen and you're going to need to grab your rangefinder range put it back in without making any noise without it throwing it on the ground or whatever else and flapping against something else your buckle or whatever else and having the pigs take off um you're gonna need to do that and then you're gonna need to take a shot and you know your adrenaline this is gonna be your first time doing all this there's a lot of things going through your brain um because it happened where i didn't realize it at first the guy was within 20 yards of pigs and he was super tunnel vision for one thing. Um, he was concentrating on one pig. He didn't see the pigs that were kind of to his left and whatever else, you know. And you can't, when you're 20 yards away or 30 yards away, I can't really talk to the guy. Yeah. You know. And um, he's kind of looking for his rangefinder, and he's like going through all of his stuff. I was like, oh, crap. He, you know, I didn't, I wasn't really paying attention to his entire setup. So now I try to just show me all your gear show me what's going on if if i have something i think will be better you know use it and i'll tell you why you know why you should use it so there's there's teachable moments like that that you can't i don't you're giving them it's for their benefit yeah they need to know what's what's better you know and i'm out there doing this all the time i've been in every scenario and screwed up everything you can possibly think i've done it all so if i can try and um (laughs) get you to avoid the same mistakes right. because of my errors, then go ahead and do it. You know, it's just going to make you a better, it's going to give you a better time. You're paying me a lot of money. So, <laughs> you know, you're really not, I don't know. Maybe some people think they are paying the money for a pig. You're not, you're paying a lot of money for all of that and to get opportunities. Yeah. And to, you know, there's, there's, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. That's the way I want my, you know, clients to look at it. Yeah, for sure. So, for sure. So, we're in a full circle. Mm-hmm. Back. Three missed opportunities. Blacktail hunting. <laughs> a yeah. zone. Yeah. There right? we go. That was a tangent. Yep. That we went on like so many rabbit holes. Wow. And adventures, but it's okay. Right? So, back to A zone. We're hunting A zone. Had a couple opportunities. You're hunting with John Stallone. Mm-hmm. Um, you shot at a pig. Yep, bounced off. That's how we got on all those tangents. That's right. That's right. So, um, and then I, uh, I missed. Um, yeah, I, I snuck up on a couple other deer. Um, I missed them. They were unranged. No, one was range. I'm trying just trying to think of it. One was ranged, and. Um, the deer turned. It wasn't that far away. It was only like 45 yards. Yeah. The deer turned just as I shot. Like, I was in motion, and there was just no. <laughs> and the arrow, he he turned and, and kind of just stooped down, and the arrow went, like, right right through his freaking antlers or something. Or oh, whatever. wow. Yeah. And um, he turned to me, I think. So, anyways, fast forward. After that trip, uh-huh. you ended up going back on a solo mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, after I screwed up, but I do need to go back. So oh, okay. the last buck. Um, no, I missed four deer. I oh, mean, wow. I missed four deer. 
on the trip. But anyways, the last buck, John had just shot a pig. Mm-hmm. And then they had spotted another buck. And um, I snuck in on him. And it was, it was you know, getting dark. Um, I didn't feel like I could range it. I felt like I knew the range. I, it, it was, they, were, they knew something was up. I was crawling. They knew something was up, and I, I couldn't quite get a range through all the through all the brush. It was just grass, basically dead grass. Um, and I was like, forty-five yards. That's what I'm going with, and that's what I'm going to shoot. And you know, if but that's what I'm going with. I'm not second guessing. It's going to be forty-five yards. They were filming it and everything. <laughs> um, I missed adding the pressure. Yeah, I missed. <laughs> I, I think he ended up being like thirty-five yards closer. Uh-huh closer so I put it over its back that sucked because you know the, the filmage and all that awesomeness anyways yeah so John leaves I came back the next week and the very first hunt very first evening um, I spotted a buck that was that was bedded down alright he's in a good spot you know uh, it's I got a couple hours to get to him he's Hopefully he stays there mm-hmm. so I can get to him. And um, I got to him finally. I couldn't. I saw some other bucks kind of walking on the ridge line and other things moving around. But I, and honestly, I didn't care. I would have shot any of them. But I was like, man, there's a big buck there somewhere. But I don't think he's there anymore. I couldn't see it. I got closer and closer and closer. And I was kind of walking carelessly at this point. And, uh, and I turned, and I, this is crazy. Somehow the buck did not see me. I don't know what he, if, he was, if his eyes were closed or whatever, but I turned, I saw antlers sticking up out of, out of the grass, and I immediately just hit the floor. I was like, oh, crap. He's like 100 yards away. Mm-hmm. That's it, you know? Open field situation. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I just hit the ground. I took my pack off right there. And I got my binos out and just slowly got up and was like, oh my, he doesn't know I'm here. You know? I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. So there isn't, there's a little bit of contour to play with. Um, I basically backtracked on the backside of the backside of this, this hill. And my plan was to just um, hopefully be close enough in range um, uh, where I could sort of crest this hill. And when he gets up for the evening, hopefully he gets up before it's dark. I'll, I'm gonna have a, a shot at him. There, there, there just wasn't. I wouldn't have been able to get any close. There was nothing between me and me and him except for just flat ground and, and grass. I, just, yeah. I don't think I'd been able to pull it off. So the night before, I was at Hans's house, um, and we were pl- This is when we were playing around with those four fletchings and my fixed blades and blah 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 and a, kind of a new setup and. I was just hitting darts, like shooting darts at, like, at, yes. at, at 80 yards. It's like, okay, I'm on it. sweet. This, yeah. is, this is sweet. I had all the confidence in the world. So this buck was laying down at what I could guess, because it's hard when they're laying down to get an exact range because there's grass and stuff in front of them. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's 75 yards. And, um, and it looked a lot closer. You know, some scenarios, 75 yards looks a long ways away, and 75 yards looks close. Yeah. You know? So this was a close 75, whatever Isn't that is. Isn't it mind-boggling how that can happen? It's very strange, but yeah. it happens all the freaking time. Yeah. So I said, all right, well, I'm just going to sit here. I'm just under the grass line. My head is. I'm sitting there watching him. 
and the wind is perfect everything's perfect um right before you know i would say 20 minutes before dark um the wind changes a little bit and it's hitting me in the back I'm like man he's gonna he's gonna smell me <laughs> you know but well, i'm gonna be busted yeah but hopefully he just sort of stands up and you know gives me some time yeah it's exactly what happened he stood up he stood perfectly broadside i had i i at this point, I was really concentrating on calming down, like just be super calm. I I was there for an hour, seventy-five yards away, just waiting, waiting, waiting. It was hot at first, and then it was getting you know cooler. And uh, he stood up perfectly broadside, um, and I had a great shot. Like I just felt, I, I wasn't, I was steady, I was steady. Released, boom, sounded like a perfect hit. Mm-hmm. Everything. He takes off. And uh, um, I waited for, no, I saw him run off. So I was like, well, I can go up to where he was bedded down and just try and find my arrow or something, whatever. I go up there, can't find my arrow, can't find any blood. Oh, really? Like right there. Yeah. I'm like, ah, I don't know. But then I I had seen another deer. This is a, I guess a tip because this has happened a lot. Pay attention to other animals. Um. And I'd seen another deer, like it must have seen that buck running off. It didn't see me. Saw that buck running off and that buck ended up going downhill. I know this now, of course. But this deer came out to the edge over the top of that buck and was looking down, like really paint with his ears, you know, looking down there and, and whatnot. And I'm thinking, Where'd my homie go? Right. And I'm thinking, um, I wonder if that's where he went. Yeah. You know, he's looking at something down there, paying attention. So anyways, I, I start following um, trails. It's super high. It's kind of high grass. So I start following some trails. Eventually, I run into blood. I'm like, oh, here's blood. And then once I found blood, then there was just blood all over the place. And it was an easy, you know, he, did, he didn't really go that far. Yeah. Um, less than 100 yards. And it was downhill 100 yards. He rolled for probably, uh, I mean, you could see him roll. You know, you could see where he had rolled. Um, he rolled for probably... 40 yards or something or whatever. Yeah, well, it's steep in that back valley. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so I came up on him. I was like, oh, man, he's a really good buck. He's the biggest blacktail for sure that I've shot. And it was a total pass through. I don't know where my arrow went. Yeah. But total pass through. Just zipped right through him. Oh, wow. Um, and um, a, you know, bomber three three by three. You know, he was, he was awesome. So there it was. Yet again, by myself. I always seem to shoot things by myself. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know. Like, I, I think it's. I mean, I only ha- when I'm hunting with other people. I. I. Uh, I want. I want them to. I, I do concentrate on them a little bit. Yeah. You know, because a lot of it, like this specific place, when I'm hunting with John, I can hunt at this ranch. For freaking three months, if I want to, mm-hmm. I can go there every day if you know if I wanted to. Yeah. So it's not like I got to get it all done in a week. And it, and again, right? So I was there. I ended up missing four bucks. But I'm like, I can come back. And that's exactly what I did. I came back and I had the place to myself. Yeah. And spotted a buck. And, um, and it, you know, made it, everything worked out right. The wind was right. The You know. My thing is if you keep going, it, it's, it's persistence. If you hunt a bunch... You're going to get animals, and yeah. you're going to learn things along the way. But yeah. a lot of it has to do with things that are outside of your control. Time in the field. It, 
Right, but but also that time in the you, you got to be there at, during the more time you spend in the field, the more time you're going to find those moments where, wow, the wind is really awesome tonight. It's never usually like this, and the deer are bedded in a spot that works out for me. Yeah, that just doesn't. They could be bedded. They could, that that deer. There's deer that have been bedded there so many different times that I've seen, but I have no way to get to them. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna blow you out. Mm-hmm. It just they worked out, you know everything. And it, it happened to have its eyes closed when I was carelessly walking, you know, kind of in the open because I thought I was like, oh, he's not here anymore. But I saw some other deer and they're over in the other canyon, so I was gonna like go up above them and do all this thing. And I was like, oh crap, he's still there laying down. Yeah, got lucky. Yeah, but. You'll for you know for the ten times you fail you'll you'll get lucky once or it's probably a hundred times probably a hundred <laughs> times you fail you'll get lucky once. We as hunters know failure so well. That's the biggest part of it. Yeah. We're not a. Uh, we're spending time you know here we're not. There's such a small portion of our lives is spent actually hunting animals in so, the field. <laughs> so we, so we kind of suck. Yeah. We well, just, my favorite is know. when I meet like a buddy who spends 300 days in the field, which is crazy. 300 days in the field a year, yeah. and I'm like, "Damn, man!" Like, there's some people that love to hunt. You're learning some things that maybe will spend 300 days in the field in 10 years. Well, that's the language. Yeah, yeah. that's that's back to the the language. If you want to speak the language of hunting, then you need to you become keep it proficient. Up. It's a perishable it. sport. Yeah. Animals change, landscapes change, fires change things, um, the weather changes. Like sometimes you it's 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 a, a nice a nicer summer and sometimes it's super blazing hot in the middle of a drought, you know, your food yeah. supplies change, everything changes. So it's not like you can just learn it and be good one year. Nature is not consistent. <clears throat> it's not consistent. At all. No. Never. And hunting pressure changes, you know, there's so many things. So it's it's a completely perishable perishable sport. Um, yeah, there's certain things you can take with you that you learn on to the next hunt. Um, but I always find I just keep learning new things. I'm like, why can't I just repeat? Why can't I be in the same situation that I've been in before that I've learned from? It's always a new situation, right? <laughs> Isn't that so great? It's crazy. There's a million and a half situations out there, and most of the time, none of them are repeatable. Yeah. So how was that pack out? You, I mean, you cut that deer up and pack it out. That pack out sucked. Did it? Yeah, it did. Why? Oh, that blacktail? Yeah. Yeah, because well, I, I took it all out yeah. and I was getting it mounted, so all all that. Hide um, too. Yeah. Um, that was a heavy pack out because it was really my only way out was a steep, steep, steep canyon. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Steep canyon. Yeah, and um, it wasn't a long hike out, but it was. Um, vertical i was um shuffling my feet you know what i mean i mean like it was like six inches at a time yeah i knew it wasn't far and you're by yourself and it's dark out and it's you're tired and you're thirsty by that point and blah 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 everything else what kind of pack are you running um a uh, kafaru fulcrum so that's why i could fit that in there and everything else how do you like that pack? if i wanted to <laughs> yeah um I love it. If there's anything bad to say about it, is that it's too big. Mm-hmm. So I have found. But if like, it was an elk, it would have been perfect. Well, that's what I wanted. To, yeah, it is perfect for elk. 
and I and I used it for two elk um, this in, year. In, yeah, in 2018, and um, the cow that I shot, um, I did that in two. I, I shot it and packed out. We'll get into the elk. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, as far as that pack goes, um, there's a lot of straps, so keep them rolled up when it's when you have the pack compressed or otherwise like the straps just kind of hit when you're walking they'll hit and make sounds you know on the pack so super gotta, annoying yeah so you got to keep them you got to keep them rolled up um just little things like that but you can fit whatever the heck you i think with all of my attachments and everything else it's um it's over ten thousand cubic inches oh wow i put a human in there yeah i put my wife in there oh wow i was like oh well, you pack put, her around i can put you yeah Oh, cool. I was like, I can put you in here, so I'm, I think I'm good. And it worked. Yeah, I, I mean, I specifically got it because sometimes I'm packing out two pigs. So um, instead of making two trips, if I'm capable of, of, of grinding it out and if I can get something out, if I can get two pigs out at once, um, at least I know I can fit it in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, because uh, making two trips kind of sucks sometimes. Two trips definitely sucks. And when Anthony and I were in Montana and we back to back shot two bucks and then both drug them down the hill until we met up with each other yeah. to ground quarter together and like, you know, celebrate and yeah. everything like that. Cause it was literally like, boom, I shot my buck. Boom. He shot his buck. Were you guys next to each other? Or were you... Oh no, no, no. Yeah. We were sitting next to each other. Oh, you were? Oh yeah. Okay, okay. We, yeah. We were sitting there and. <laughs> okay. Yeah. One was one way and one was the Boom, other. Boom, I shot my buck, and then I handed him my rifle and said, that other buck's still standing there, shoot it. Oh. And then, boom, he <clears throat> shot that buck. Yeah. And it ran a little bit and dumped, and, and they both kind of were in their own little spots on the hillside. Yeah. So I went up to where mine was, and he went up to where his was, and, yeah. you know, met somewhere down below in the middle. But um. that, that was one of those packouts where it was like, we're five and a half miles in here. <clears throat> we're not packing. We're not coming in here the next day. Yeah. To finish this. It's all coming out with us tonight. Um, pack outs are... Uh, Brutal. I want horses or mules or llamas. Not for not for your blacktail hunt. No, 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 no. Okay. No, for, for, for Idaho. Yeah. I, I really do. Yeah. I mean, it... I don't know when you want to get the Idaho, but yeah, no. Pack That's outs, where we're pack, going pack next. Outs can be packouts can be brutal. They're not they're not brutal in California. They're they're tough. But some can be brutal in California, depending where you're at. Depending on where you are. But, but A zone packouts, there's yeah. a couple places maybe, it, but they can be really steep. Yeah. Generally, they're not going to be miles though. And A zone blacktails you know? are kind of tiny. Yeah. That that buck that I shot though was a lot heavier than I thought it was going to be. Oh really? Yeah. I mean just was yeah i carry a lot of crap too so probably <laughs> all my extra uh -huh. crap that i like to that i like to freaking have on me yeah oh what what is it boom what is it it's peak refuel chicken teriyaki fresh out of the bag i mean maybe i don't want to say that it's fresh out of the bag <laughs> No, it's for you just because opened I a bag. I mean, I just opened a bag right yeah. now, and I, I heated it up right before we started. Yeah. I started cooking it right before we started. Chicken teriyaki. Have you tried peak refill? I mean, I know that you're, like, no. super keto. 
I'm, I'm, I'm keto and intermittent fasting now. So, what the fuck, dude? You guys need weird <laughs> shit. So, I'm, I do intermittent fasting, I'm not going to lie. Do you? It's actually epic. It's really I, good. I haven't since I fucked up my ankle. But prior to that, I'm all about intermittent fasting. I just started. I'm like, it's like gear. I like trying new things. Mm-hmm. And that's why I got in the keto and why I, uh, I'm doing intermittent fasting. I just want to try it. So, have you ever done freeze-dried meals at all? Oh, yeah. This is actually really good. Freaking. Uh, what'd you used to use? Mountain House. And, and, and I mean, tons of MREs. I mean, MRE, MREs yeah. in the army. I love MREs. Honestly. Do you really? Yeah, I love MREs. Yeah, I think it's three thousand calories of perfect. no poop it, and sodium. And why. sodium. Um, but let me try this. Give this a whirl, man. I'm going to. Looks like an. MRE. You can take like a spoonful or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not bad, man. Mm-mm. The teriyaki is bomb. Mm. I'd eat the crap out of that if I could eat carbs. Right? Sure. You just don't eat carbs. No. I need to come up with my own. That. Like a keto meal in the backcountry? I don't they have those. I mean, I bring my own stuff, so you can bring... Couldn't you just bring, like... Nuts and sardines and oils and... Um, I make... My wife makes me these fat bombs. Homemade Dehydrated fat bombs. bacon or something? Well, I mean, if it's... These are good. That is really good. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of it. Well, it's called Peak Refuel. Mm-hmm. Never heard of it. Well, that is really good. Um, if it's cold out, you can just put most food in a Ziploc. You can put bacon in a... I mean, cooked bacon. That's, that yeah. lasts for a long time. <laughs> you know? It's fine. Yes. Yeah, sure. No, that's what I do. And, uh, but I don't get to eat. I don't get to eat things like that. But you know what was really interesting? And it's... Of course, it's... Um, Terrible, what happened to um, Jason Harrison? But he was doing all kinds of studies and stuff. UC Davis and, and every, he always was. He's a top level athlete, and I was following him and was so interested because he was keto, but he was doing a a carb a a, a time. I, I forget what it's called, but he was eating carbs, but only at a specific time for his endurance on backcountry hunts specifically because he felt like he could get a little bit more endurance if he added carbs at a specific time, only a specific time where his body would use up all those carbs and he could still remain in ketosis. And he was doing these tests. He was doing like medical UC Davis testing with him, but I don't know. He talked a little bit about that at the Mountain Academy. I don't know how far they got or if those things are ever going to be released or whatever, but that was... um, that was really interesting to, to follow that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, anyways, so when when you are, I think when you're exerting a lot of energy, if you're going to stay and if you are on a keto diet and you're exerting mm-hmm. tons of energy, um, the carbs that you eat, and I don't know if it's either, because I played around with it a little bit, I don't know if it's right before you do it or right after you eat it, mm-hmm. your body's going to eat up all those carbs. So I was kind of fooling with that for the first time when I went to Idaho in September. So I started keto in January and I was strict, mm-hmm. strict, strict, strict. And then elk hunting, I was like, mm, maybe I'll try some of those hash browns. I mean, dude, I'm, who knows? I don't know how many miles. I never keep track, but it's a lot of miles and I'm freaking hiking every day. Like, I don't think carbs are going to kill me right now. Like, you know, I don't think I'm going to throw my body out of whack. And I didn't. And to me, it seemed like I remained in ketosis. Everything, I never got thrown out or whatever 
Mm-hmm. So it does seem like my body was was um, was eating up all those carbs, but eat, you know, eating it like right before a fifteen mile day or who knows what it is. I don't know. What yeah. It was. So your body's got to eat something. Planning it correctly. Planning it correctly. So I don't know. Hopefully those results can get released some sometime because that would. I be mean, this meal has eighty three grams of carbs in it, in and forty thing. grams of protein for the whole bag. For the whole bag. What's the serving? Is that a... It's two that, servings. It's two servings, so... I feel like that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's standard. Uh, 40, 40 grams of protein. Like one of my biggest gripes always with, like, other companies was a lack of protein. And a lot of them. There's a lot of salt. Yeah. There's a whole fuck ton of salt. A there little has bit to be, of carbs. Yeah. Well, there has to be, obviously, yeah. because it's freeze-dried. Yeah. But... There was, I, I just always felt like it was lacking in, like, protein, right? I like it. It's good. It's good stuff. I like what they're doing here. Salt on keto is good for you. That's I know. Thing. Do you ever just tablespoon of salt? No. I throw it in water. Alan does that. Just... Just tablespoon of salt down the hatch. Mm. I don't get it, man. Y'all keto dudes. I like sea salt, pink Himalayan salt. That's the bomb. Um, I'll eat the shit out of that. Pretty much the only salt I use is is that. I'm gonna um, keep eating on that. That's really good. Oh, it is really good. I like that a lot. I could smash that for sure. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, when did you get that? Is that your first time trying that? Peak. Yeah. That's my first time trying that meal. But not your first time trying peak performance. No. Where are you based out of? Utah. Ah, Utah. Yes. And is that Will you take your phone off the table because it's vibrating? Is that made for hunters? Well, yeah, it's made for backcountry backpacking food. So okay, got it. Lightweight. So they're marketing to okay. Yeah. Because some of them now are like hunting specific. Now there's right, and they're companies that are hunting specific instead of. I'm Just sure there is. I heard. I heard yesterday. Mountain Ops is maybe trying to come up with their own backcountry. Got it. Food and and some other people. Um, but. Yeah, it's just all in the marketing. It's know, just like, yeah. It's yeah. just. Same thing. Same idea. Yeah. Same idea as cool. Mountain House. Just I think they're bringing a little bit more to the table, as far as what a Mountain House brings to the table, in yeah. my opinion. Uh huh. Um, I would eat that. Yeah. I think that's better than the, um, if I can remember, I've had chicken teriyaki, rice, mountain house. That, that was definitely better right there. A little bit more flavorful. A little I feel bit like. more flavorful. Yeah. That had like a nice, um, God, it was almost like a curry flavor in there or something. There was something in there that was good. I think it was just good teriyaki sauce. Yeah. There was something good in there. Good teriyaki sauce for yeah. sure. Just good teriyaki sauce. Anyways, continuing into Idaho. Where'd we? Yeah, Idaho. Elk hunting. Yep. Boom. There it is. Yep. You got out there. You got after it. You were just talking about it. 15 mile days. I don't know. Car loading in the morning. They're long days. Yeah. Getting after it. Uh, Killing elk. Yeah. You guys killed two elk on that trip. We did. Um, Everybody had. uh, there was a few oppor- few more opportunities, but we got two elk. There was uh, four of us, really. I mean, one guy was there was there for just five days, and he had to leave, and then the other guy came in for kind of the last five days. So, and four, you were there for ten? Four in total. Um, I was there for uh, two weeks total. From the time I left California to the time I came back was 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 two weeks. Oh wow! So fourteen days, which is. 
basically 10 days of hunting. Yeah. I guess. That's, yeah. So I think I hunted there for, for 10 days. Um, the, the, uh, the first evening we went out to where I like to go just to kind of get my bearings and do some glassing. Um, and, uh, <laughs> every once in a while I have to get selfish and this was a selfish move, but this is my spot. Like, you know, I'm bringing new people there, you know, and I'm just like, all right, I, I wanted to get done so I could concentrate on them because it's their a first time elk hunting um b first time in 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 Idaho. the whole thing was new to them you know so we went up to a glassing spot and i glassed some elk back across the road from where we were camped these like a whole herd of elk came down close to this river and they were only you know so speaking of other hunters and 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 all that good stuff they were I don't know, 250 yards on the other side of a river of where guys were camped. So I'm like, holy crap, nobody even knows that they're that, nobody knows that they're that close. This is hilarious because everybody's out, you know, hunting somewhere else or something like that. So I go, tomorrow morning, I'm going to go figure out a way to cross the river. I'd never crossed the river. It was something I'd always wanted to do. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to forge across the river and try and find those elk i didn't tell any of my buddies that i saw those elk. i was like hey you guys go back here because we saw some elk back there like you guys you know we, we spotted some elk I'm like you guys go after those no sense in all of us hunting in the same canyon i'm gonna go to a spot i've never been i've always wanted to go like, all right cool so the next morning we get up it took me forever to figure out how to cross this freaking river because the water was high mm-hmm. and it was dark i'm doing this in the dark so it's you know I, you don't know how deep it is or anything. And I'm like, I'm not going to get swept away in this freaking river. How which, deep did it end up being? Um, deep enough where I fell into it. <laughs> and, and it was like, you know, 30 degrees outside. And yeah. I'm thinking, crap, how, how wet did I just get? And how cold did I just get? And how's this going to affect my day? Um, it, it didn't. One thing about Merino and, and, wearing um wearing gaiters um you know up above your boots and all that is takes a little while for that water to get in Mm -hmm. and um my pack got wet and it was kind of scary because it's like well i'm not that far away but i'm this might end my hunt for today i might have to go back and dry off depends on how cold it gets in the sun and all that anyways I felt fine. You know, I, I was wet, but the marina was keeping me warm. That wool was keeping me warm enough. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I, I wasn't, like, drenched. I wasn't soaked, but I got wet. It was freaking cold. So, anyways, um, right after I'd crossed there, no, actually, right before I'd crossed the river, I'd seen the elk way up on this ridgeline. So, I'm like, oh, crap, they're still here somewhere. Um, <clears throat> I make my way across the river, make my way up. The sun comes out. Everything starts drying off pretty fast in the, in the, in the sun to where I was like, all right, I don't have to worry about it. I feel good. Um, and I just started trailing this, this herd of elk for, um, probably, probably the next four hours. And, um, then I, I lost them. Um, and you know, they moved so much faster than me, but you know, I knew the direction that they went. So I'm just sneaking along and just, you know, peering over the hillsides, just looking, glassing at the at the ridge at the um timber lines you know so i'm I'm basically in sagebrush hills and then there's you know the canyons have 
tree lines or some of them are kind of filled with timber or whatever. So they're in there somewhere. And um, so in glassing over one of the hillsides, I picked up the elk, picked up where they bedded down. And there was about, I don't know, 600 yards of, of uh, sagebrush between me and the edge of the timber where they were bedded. So I had sagebrush and at least 20 elk bedded. So that's 40 eyes. So I dropped my pack up by this spring and took my bow, put my face mask on. By now it's pretty sunny out, you know? And um, so it's getting really hot. I didn't have water because it was in my pack and my camel camelback. And I just start scooting on my butt down to them, going the slowest I've ever gone in my entire life. And I eventually get within, um, I'm 75 yards away from the bowl. I had perfect broadside shots at the, at the bowl, but I've screwed up on elk a lot and taking just, I, I was going to get closer and it was a little bit windy too. So I'm like, I'm not going to take a 75 yard shot on a bowl yeah. because I don't want to screw up another elk hunt and, you know, be chasing elk around or wounded elk or whatever else. Yeah. I'm going to get freaking close. And I already told myself, cause I've gone home empty handed before just trying to get bulls. If I get a good elk in front of me, I'm going to kill that elk. So it is what it is. And I made that decision. So I sneak in a little bit further and I think six hours had passed. So now it's like three 30 in the afternoon. I think and this started, I saw them first, like before the sunrise, I saw them on a, on a ridgeline. Right. So this has been a pretty long day. The elk finally get up. He starts bugling, you know, he's rounding them up, but they're just feeding and they start feeding up to me. Wind is perfect. The wind is perfect the whole time, yeah. which is, that doesn't happen. No subtle in, shifts. That, no, mm -mm. that yeah. does not happen in Idaho. I have never been in a Canyon so long where the wind didn't swirl. Cause that's the hardest thing there is, is the wind. It's not actually hunting elk per se. It's the wind. Mm -hmm. They, you know, their noses are fantastic, and that that swirling wind is is just God. It, it it pisses you off, honestly. Yeah. So now there's I don't know how many elk, but they are within thirty yards of me, and I'm just in a sagebrush field. <laughs> I'm laying down, you know, and the sagebrush was kind of high, so it was some of it was two and a half feet, I guess, right? So mm -hmm. two and a half foot of sagebrush. I'm in it, and and there's elk. 30 yards away now and I'm trying to figure out when is the right time to pull up above the sagebrush with my bow drawn and take a shot because there's, there's too many eyeballs there's too much stuff going on you know not a lot of time going on here I could I could I could range through the through the sagebrush to the side and everything else totally covered with face mask and everything <laughs> and um um the opportunity, you know, popped up where I'm like, okay, this elk doesn't have another elk behind it and all, because they were so close. I'm like, I could have shot an elk, but I would have hit the three elk on the other side of it kind yeah. of thing. Because I'm like, I know my arrow's going to pass through. Man. Yeah. And I'm shooting fixed blades, of course, cooties and all that. So I had no issue with that. And um, so I shoot and, you know, sound looked like a pass through and the elk takes like 
four steps and just like looks around at all the other elk and none of them move really they're all still standing there yeah and uh and i can tell i can see the blood coming out of it you know that it's game over for that buck yeah for that elk yeah so i put i put another arrow in and shoot it again yeah and she then she runs like 15 yards and the all of the other elk are still there they're like what's this what's she doing like looking at her like why are you jumping around you what's know? going on but clown they, they act goofy <clears throat> but then she takes a tumble and starts rolling and they just freaking i thought i was going to be trampled they're like they just were there. like what something's going something's wrong you know she's falling over something just happened and they just take off the freaking bull they all run right by me like, holy crap how big of a bull was it He's an, I got I have a great video of him because um, I was I was close to him earlier in the day. He's a six by six. He's a, he's a, he's a good herd bull. Yeah. That um, fucking but it, but it, sucks. But, it, but at that I know. <laughs> First day. I know. I had, oh my god! I, I had plenty of shots on him. Just they weren't they weren't right, and I I was just I was gonna I was gonna be under fifty yards, and that was my my thing with that so um it, that was a magical so i had quite a bit of time you know it was only three or something i don't, I don't know what time it was but i think it was like three o'clock yeah and then um i uh while i was walking up to find to find her i shot a grouse oh cool and then um so I was like, wow, this is just a magical little place, isn't it? So I go up to her and, you know, take pictures and, and whatnot. They're so freaking hard to move, those those animals. I'm Pretty trying big. to, like, you know, take solo pictures of myself. And I'm like, okay, this is a lot different than, you know. <laughs> there just wasn't anything around. There wasn't any logs and stuff that I could put a camera on and get it set up. And I just had my uh, my um, my phone to take pictures. And my, yeah. my video camera was back up at the pack where I had, where I had left it. But I didn't have again. I didn't have the tripod or anything. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not, I'm not screwing around with that stuff with with elk. I've done that. That's what screwed me up a lot is trying to film, solo film and all that. And I'm like, man, screw this. I only have ten days to hunt elk every yeah. year. Sometimes just, you got to leave just the camera kill some behind, freaking man. elk. Just kill yeah. elk. Shut up. You know, and take a picture and be done with it. You got yeah. elk meat. So, I packed. I, I got all of her meat up in a tree. I packed out. Um, I don't know, maybe a quarter and the back straps and the loins and whatever else. It's all downhill to camp. Cross the river again and uh, go back to camp. And my hunting partners, they're not back yet from hunting. Wow. All right, well, I had my camper there, so I set up two tables and put the meat out (laughs) on the tables. And I'm like, well, I'm going to eat dinner and... Have you didn't go back and keep packing out. No, no. I was like, I'm just gonna get the next day. It's all I have it all hanging in the tree now. Yeah, so I got no worries. Okay. So um, they come back and they see the meat on the table. They're like, what the heck? I can hear them. I'm just laughing at them. And uh, so we had a little celebration and stuff. And they helped me. They're like, well, we'll come in and help you pack out the rest of the of the elk. And um, so that's what we did. We went in the next morning. Got that elk packed Did you fall out. back in the river, or would you make it past this time? No, because we waited till it was daylight. daylight <laughs> found a found a better spot to do it, and I brought my um, my hit boots, mm-hmm. which I'm going to do from now on, and just leave them at the river. It makes it a lot easier. Yeah. You know? So we packed that back out, 
and then I had the whole rest of the trip. So I was like, "All right, guys, I'm I'm your guide. You know, let's let's get on some elk. You know, yeah. I'll just I'll just call and and spot and let's have a fun time. Carry extra, you know, whatever. I'm I'm done. We're good. We got meat. You know, and everybody we split all the meat. You know, yeah. So it behooves you to get another elk. That's, <laughs> that's how me to get another elk. You know, you know, if I'm in an elk camp and we start sacking elk, man, everybody just yeah. split it. Yeah, especially if they're helping you pack it out and everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, the guy that was there just for five days, he um, he had some opportunities. He never took a shot. And then the other guy, Corey, he's my buddy from Michigan. Um, he you know flew out and did the whole thing with me. Um, he ended up. Uh, um. I was basically with him every, every, every day, wherever he wanted to go, how, however far he wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up getting on some elk and um, blowing a few opportunities. And um, and then we, we got on a nice herd early enough in the day where the wind was right, where we could, you know, sneak in close enough to decide what to do. Mm-hmm. But we were in striking distance. Like For at sure. Any, at any point in time. As long as the wind stays right, yeah, the elk might right might walk right to us, or we'll be able to cut them off, whatever. And man, it was just such a it was epic, like it, just being that close, um, seeing them bedded down, and we're like, whoa, man, we're only like seventy yards away. And then seeing a bull start rub, you know, how they slowly get up, kind of in the afternoon, start moving stuff around, moving cows around start rubbing on trees and making all kinds of noise. And then basically I'm just like, Hey, um, they moved downhill a little bit. I'm like, I'm going to stay up here. Cause I have the vantage point. Give me, you know, just take your bow, drop your pack, do everything, but just keep looking back up at me. You know, like let's stay in, 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 in uh, eyesight of each other. If we can, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll basically be about 80 yards behind you the entire time, just shadowing what you're doing. But look back up at me because I can see a lot more than you can because we're, we're up on a hillside. Yeah. So he's getting lower. He can see less. But I'm above the elk all the time because they're just slowly moving. Yeah. So just this slow stalk in. And um, I had told him, you know, earlier in the hunt, there was a, there was a couple scenarios where I said, you just got you to be, there's, there's some instances where you just have to be a lot more aggressive. Like mm-hmm. you're going too slow. Like if you have the wind right and they're just feeding, like yeah. their their gait, they're, they're when they're walking, it doesn't look like it's fast until you're trying to catch up with them. And you're like, oh wow, they're, yeah. They they clear ten feet, you know, in a stride when they're just walking. You yeah. know what I mean? So you got to kind of move. <laughs> right. So I I remember telling them like, this is you, you need to be aggressive. Like just our our wind is awesome right now. Yeah. And so just be aggressive. He's screaming his head off, so we're gonna know. Even if we can't necessarily see them, we're going to know kind of where they are. And um, so we went down almost to the creek bottom. And then the so I'm up above him and I'm seeing him down here and I can see elk that are close to him. I, I mean, it was just crazy. I'm like, I don't know how they didn't see him. Like we're getting away with a lot right now. It's, yeah. Everything was perfect. You know, you just keep going and going. And then you're there for that perfect <laughs> moment when it needs to work out. And the elk start feeding back up this creek bed. Um, so they went down to the bottom, and then they were just going to circle back up, I guess. And they start coming up the other side of me. You know, the, the cows do. The bull's still down below. I can hear him screaming his head off. And um, I'm thinking, 
God, he's got to be super, super close to this bull right now. And all of a sudden, I, I hear something running, and I see the bull running, and he mm-hmm. runs right past me. And I go, I think, in my head, I didn't know if he had shot. I, go, I think that bull just crashed. Mm-hmm. So he must have shot. You know what I mean? So I go down and, and, and look at him, and he... Um, He's got this look on his face like, I don't know what just happened, but something happened. I shot. So yeah. I go down to him, and I'm like, all right, I I didn't really tell him, you know, about the bull that ran by me or whatever. I just wanted to see what he said. And um, he said that thing was so fired up, it turned around and looked at him and started coming towards him. But he couldn't, he couldn't smell him. So, and there was, uh, so while he was screaming his head off, other bulls in the area started screaming so they were like he was asserting his dominance you know mm-hmm. what i mean so he was pissed off because these other bulls started from a couple hundred yards away or whatever started you know going off yeah this is working out perfect for Corey. we're, we're in between real healing bull fights exactly <laughs> so it turned around and faced him and he just drilled it right up through the neck and you know right up through its body and that thing went like it went nowhere but he didn't know like what had happened or what. I'm like, all right, well, let's just come over here. And uh, he's just, you know, his his face. This is his first time elk hunting, first time hunting in the West, you know. And uh, I'm like, uh, I, I got this on film, so it's it's funny um, to look at. But um, so then I was like, okay, that was his bull, and it did crash. I know exactly where it is, where it is. So we're walking up to it, and uh, I'm like, Corey, just come up here a little bit. I need you to see something. He's like, Oh my God, what do you, what is it? And he sees it, and that's freaking monster six by six. Yeah, you know, for his first, for his first uh, elk. No way. And uh, so, yeah, and it crashed right next to this skull of a cow. It was crazy. So here's the elk head, and a skull of a cow is right here. It was just a crazy scene. That's the whole, rad. The whole thing, yeah. <laughs> so we, um, I thought for sure I had had horses, like that I could call and get horses in. So I was like, well, let's, you know, let's um, try and get horses. We we gutless the 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 animal and hung everything up in a tree just to get it off the ground, and then we packed out, you know, a little bit of meat. Um, we should have packed out a little more, but we had four miles you know to to get out and and thankfully so i had my garmin in reach the satellite thing thankfully one of my buddies was was um he must have been in town or something because you have to have I, I wouldn't have been able to get him on his phone so i texted his phone i was like hey we are coming out of this canyon not where we went in we were a couple miles down now right we made like a giant horseshoe we're gonna be coming out meet us there we're we're packing out right now so you know i don't know what time it's going to be hopefully you get this message kind of a thing yeah so uh so we pack out finally and um my buddy's truck is there he got the message he's waiting for us we go back and the next morning um i had a guy who had some horses and they would be available as long as he wasn't using them for his um for his client, he was a guide, and he's like, oh, "I'm using the horses for that." I'm like, "Ah, oh, crap." Yeah. Like, All right. Well, four and a half miles in, we're packing out a, a big elk, and we're gonna try and get it all in one pack out. 
you know. So this goes back to the three guys should have been. You guys probably got it done. We got it done, but it 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 sucked. Yeah, it it sucked really bad. So I had um, I had two quarters, two elk quarters. I didn't bone them out. Probably should have, but um, two elk quarters in my pack, and then um, you know, rib meat and whatever else. I I filled up that freaking fulcrum to the to the max it's a bad idea. you know and uh that sucked that's it, a bad idea it was bad i found it out always yeah i should have bonded it out and um but i just didn't you know when you first put a pack on you're like ah oh, this is fine you know and i had trekking poles and all that and the other guys didn't have the biggest packs so you know you only fit so much in there um like a 30 a Kuyu 3200 or something or whatever and whatever, you know, whatever. So, um, that was, it's the last time I'm going to pack out that much meat. It was, it just hurt so bad. And, and like for the next few days, I, I felt like I, I'm like, if I keep doing that, I'm going to, you know, number one, going downhill or going down shale or whatever you have to go down. That can just be dangerous in and of itself. You can freaking turn your knees inside out. It should be yeah. stupid or roll an ankle or course or something like that. Or, but the weight of just having all that on me was, um, it ruined us. It ruined us for a couple of days. But we were good because we were like, oh, we got two elk. So, <laughs> you know, and the other guy, he's older. He's, he's 55. He's in great shape. But he's like, I, I don't need to hunt anymore. We're, we're, you know, I'm like, all right, that's fine. If you don't want to, like, I'll hunt. We'll keep hunting if you, you know, it's up to you. Yeah. But we got two elk. That's a lot of meat. So. That's all that matters. So we were done. But yeah, yeah. I, that, that, um, that's why I want horses. Because if you, you know, there, um, there's no easy, there's nothing easy about Idaho. Um, and, um, if you do have to pack out elk, that's, that's, you're taking at least a day off of hunting. Yeah. You know, so, but if you got a horse, sure, you got to hike in with it. You're not hiking the, the weight out. So yeah. It's just like another day of hiking in. Yeah. You know, and the horse takes it out and it only takes, you know, you and the guy with the horse. So it doesn't take away like your whole hunting party and all that to, to help everybody, you know, get out, get out all the meat. So everybody yeah, else can sure. continue the hunt. And it's really not that expensive. I mean, the guy's like, yeah, I'll, if you get it back in the furthest canyon, because I said, all right, say we get a big bull down and we're back in the furthest canyon. You know, it's about four miles back you know one way um what's that gonna cost it's like 300 bucks <laughs> yeah deal we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll all split that yeah and no deal problem. deal you know it's 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 too valuable of a hunt to to miss any days if you can help it but i've always had to pack them up i've never had a horse so yeah but if i can get a horse someday you get it or a mule i'll get it yeah, yeah. So that was good. No, it was good. Um, that was a fantastic elk hunt. Um, I'll be back in the same spot this year. Um, I always have uh, really, really good um, hunts there. Really, really good opportunities. And it's over-the-counter public land. Um, but it's it's an area that I've, I've I have uh, spent a lot of time there, for yeah. sure. So just like anything, spend a lot of time there, and you'll you'll figure it out. There's a lot of elk there. They got to go somewhere. Yeah. The pressure puts them somewhere, and that's what I, that's where I found is where the pressure puts them. <laughs> where does the pressure put these herd animals? How does this go down? Yeah, and that's and that's um 
what you got to do. That and right. play the wind. And um, But that was my first time I, I concentrating on hunting with other people more. Uh-huh. And that was a lot of fun. It was fun to be done. Yeah. You know, a lot of people say, like, it's about... I, I was 100% fine with being done on day one. Yeah. There was a part of me in other situations I was like, wish I had another tag in my bow on me right now because there's an elk within bow range of me right you know you just of course you want to keep killing that's yeah that's a part of it right for sure whatever it uh it um it was cool to just be a part of everybody else's experience and 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 there's elk in my freezer and that's you know i love elk it tastes so damn good yeah and everybody likes elk yeah like non non wild game eaters or whatever non hunters they're like give them elk they're pretty good on elk. Everybody's all about it. Yep. So fast forward from that, we'll come into 2019. Uh-huh. You've had a pretty good 2019 so far. You kind of got a lot going on. There's a lot yeah. happening for you and in the guide in the guide part of your life and implementing yeah. implementing a lot of that. And yeah, so I have become quote unquote an outfitter, which means I um own my own guiding business I think is what that means I don't know what that means but basically I'm booking my own hunts mm-hmm. and I have leased a ranch in um, in Mariposa um, I have a few other smaller ones too that I'm that I'm working on for um, for deer and kind of a different kind of a different rate structure um, and but yeah at least a uh, a wild pig hunting ranch in Mariposa. It's 9,000 acres. And I've been slowly getting into that. I've only done, um, I think I've only had seven hunters, um, three or three different trips, something like that. And mm-hmm. everybody has had great opportunities except for, of course, Hans uh-huh. who's the owner of this shop. We went out <laughs> and I mean, if he had a gun, he could have shot some pigs, but it was just the, the, he was the, he was my first hunt there. And, um, it just didn't work out the way that I wanted it to, of course, yeah. as far as opportunity-wise. But he's coming back. I'm having him back out. You can't so. win them all, though. Can't win them all. But when you have days like that, I I say, well, let's look at the calendar and, you know, I'll have you back out. It's, you know, yeah. I want people to be successful and get opportunities and stuff. Um, but everybody else has had uh, plenty of opportunities. And um, it's it's been archery only, which poses its own challenges of course difficulties for the hunters and for me for for everybody involved but um so far everyone's been really happy because they're getting shots with a bow and arrow that's awesome which is hard to do yeah so yeah so i started doing that and i'm slowly i have my own businesses that you know are my main source of income but i'm trying to figure out how to do that, how to squeeze this in there as well and how to make it, how to make it work. Yeah. And probably expand to some other properties as well if I can. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. So what do you got on the books for 20, for 2019 hunting season? Did you put in for any special tags or you? No. I bought, I bought points in, um, I think I just bought some points in Nevada. Mm-hmm. And did I do Arizona? I don't know, but I just buy points because I, I don't really have time for a special hunt. Yeah. So when I do start to have time in the coming years, um, 
I'll actually start putting in fronts instead of putting <laughs> in for just, just buying the points. Yeah. But 2019 will be um, back to Cloverdale in July for sure. John mm-hmm. Stillman's coming back out. Oh, for sure. Um, I think we're doing the third week this year, uh-huh. not the second week. Yeah. Because he's got a wedding or something, I don't know, that he has to go to. So we're going to do the third week, which is, I, I think I that's usually when I kill deer is the third week of July. It is. That's when I killed the deer. That's when you killed your deer last year, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but, I, but it, it's, that usually, for whatever reason, it seems better. Anyways, um, I know it's not a full moon that week. The week we normally hunt is a full moon, which I don't care. I don't really know if that causes a difference or not. Some people do. I think John does. He was kind of happy it wasn't going to be a full moon. Yeah. So, I don't know. But, um, and then August, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do in August. Um, I, uh, I'll probably hunt in Hopland. Mm-hmm. It depends on what happens in July. Yeah. It all depends on what happens with my Azo. That's for sure. That's, that's the answer to that. For sure. Um, and then September will be elk for sure. So I'll be working a whole bunch the first two weeks. I have a lot of events. Um, with my business, and then the last two weeks is always elk in Idaho. Yeah. Um, October, it depends on how busy I am. I could go back to Idaho for a um, for a rifle hunt mm-hmm. um, north of where I usually hunt. I could hunt B-Zone, which I never do, which I really want to. Yeah. I'm going to go to freaking Spyrock, yeah. by the way. Yeah. And so I'd love to hunt in those areas. November, I'll be back in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. And I always say... And that was the hunt you did with John Stallone last year. Yeah. yeah. So that was the that was the first time hunting the there. I'm really looking forward to getting back this year. The crops that are planted are... So it's it's like flat fields until you get to the cedar breaks. And then it's like <laughs> the Grand Canyon. All of a sudden, you're like, whoa, this is different. But up top, there's beans and corn and all that. Yeah. Last year, all of that was planted... A mile and a half across. I'm gonna have to try and get out on that. Hunt the canyon. You guys, one of these years. It's pretty incredible. It's, just it's, from the footage it's, that it's you guys stunning. had, and like yeah. you know, all the different stories I heard from him and from you. The crops this year are gonna be at our entrance. Yeah. So the side we're starting on this year. Yeah. So that's gonna be incredible. That's, that's awesome. Be, yeah. I always say I'm going to go to Arizona. I haven't done it yet to hunt with John, basically, because um, they have December and January seasons. I need yeah. to do that. We should freaking do that. Uh, yeah. Because it's like, what else are you going to hunt then? It's excellent hunting for desert mule deer, for javelina, for coos deer. Mm-hmm. Excellent. But then shortly after that, March 2020, I'm going to go to Argentina for some free-range uh, stag and wild boar and whatever else they have there. Nice. That'll be fun. Nice. Yeah. Right on. Well, this is where we get to the fun part of the podcast. Oh, you know, okay. Just in case there wasn't fun. Yeah. Here's the know. fun part. Here's the fun part. The Skittles part. The the Skittles. The sour Skittles, if you may. Uh, it's a Deadeye Minute. Okay, yep. Deadeye Outfitters. I remember this, yes. Deadeye Apparel. I like that hat, by the way. I really like this hat. They have them in West Coast Archery. Let me see the uh, make. Which one is this? Uh, Daddy Long Dick. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. It just has a good D in it. It's there. just flex fit. Yeah, it's just a flex okay. fit. That's it's a, a super good, comfy that's hat. It's a nice, like, tweed hat or something. It's I love this hat. Yeah, that's a cool hat. It's great because it has a curved belt. It has a curved, a natural. A natural curved belt. Yeah. 
Which so many people are so convinced that you can't bend a flat bill. It's kind of funny to me. You can, but well, some flat bills are made. Some flat bills are made to be flat, and some flat bills are not. True. There's definitely two different types of flat bills. Yeah. But I know that most of flat bills that Dead Eye sells are the ones that can be bent. You can bend them. They're bent. They're bendable. Believe it or not, it's not steel inside that brim. I'm not a flatty wearer. It doesn't look right on me. I, I like to wear it because it just pisses people off. And they yeah. get so fucking annoyed by it. And it just makes me feel better. <clears throat> you should, instead of wearing the hat underneath your flat build, wear a headband underneath yeah. your... Yeah. Because <laughs> that'll really like piss a people sweat, off. Like a sweat band? Like Bret Hart. Like, yes. Not Bret Hart. Like Bret Michaels. Mm-hmm. Poison. Yeah. He does something like that, yeah. sort of. Except for it's cowboy hat, but whatever. Yeah. Anyways. Right. Wristbands, even. You should definitely wear wristbands. Did I wristbands. wristbands? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, like Adidas. Yeah. Give me a jumpsuit. I almost bought a jumpsuit the other day on Amazon. Good. Snap it's, pants. It wasn't in stock. Snap so pants would be fun. I was gonna wear it here. Yeah. Next time. Jumpsuits are kind of cool. Yeah. Honestly. So Dead Eye Outfitters. Okay. They make great socks. Oh yeah. Oh, I like those. America. America. Which Krispies are those? Uh, these are the new Krispies. The Colorados? The Colorados. Colorados. This is actually a really amazing, comfortable boot. Let me see them. You going to play with my foot? Yep. Foot I fetish! Is, I think this is what Tim was wearing. He likes these. Oh, these look nice. A nice full rand all the way around. Yeah. It's a good boot. It's a good boot. Yeah. I like crispy a lot. This is my third pair of crispy boots. I haven't worn any. I I've, I I uh, I went from La Sportiva to Zamberlin, and Zamberlin's fit my feet so well. I was like, I'm you're I'm, good. I'm done. There's no I, reason I, if I it ain't broke, don't fix it. I don't it. need the full of boots. Yeah, I like. I mean, they're the. I know Krispies are good. I my just, boots. I don't, I don't know if they fit my foot. I so, my original pair of boots that I hunted in for years, Cabela stopped making them when they switched to Bass Pro. Which is when I stopped buying Cabela's stuff. Mm-hmm. And those boots obviously eventually just got destroyed. And then I wore the Scarpas. Oh, yeah. For, I wore the Rebel Ks uh-huh. for a year. And after the end of that year, the next season when I started putting them back on, um, it was disaster for my feet. My feet, they were fine all year. Every hunt I went on, no matter what I did, it was great. At the end of the season, and when I rolled into the next one and started wearing them, it was like blisters. Hmm. I just couldn't get away from them. So I switched boots because it just weren't working for me anymore. And I picked up the Krispies, and, and all three pairs that I have have been dynamite for each purpose. And it's a synthetic upper all this here, mixed in. So it's not like full leather or whatnot. Yeah. 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 So a different type of treatment. Yeah, so cool. would you rather lay an egg in a bathtub full of spiders? You're going to a little fear factor here. In a bathtub full of spiders or a bathtub full of cockroaches for 10 minutes? What kind of spiders? Tarantulas. Well... 
I would probably listen. I hate spiders. They freak me out. But did you see that video of like what was it? That spider nest. It was just. I don't anyways. want to talk about it. So I don't like spiders at all. Mm-hmm. But tarantulas can't. They're kind of cool. Like they can't. They don't really. They're not that aggressive. Mm-hmm. So I. I think I would die either way. Like. Mm-hmm. Just a shock kind of a thing. It's like a great white. You have the, a heart attack. In the, in the black ocean of just, ah, yeah. Yeah. So either way, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But I feel like cockroaches cockroaches would crawl up my butthole. <laughs> yeah. And a tarantula wouldn't. Yeah. So because of that, yeah. I'm going to go with tarantulas. Right on. Yeah. Tarantulas. You got any concluding thoughts before we wrap it up? I mean, it might even feel like the hairy tarantula. It might even feel good. It could, honestly, like a little pipe cleaner. <laughs> no, not in the bottle. I mean, just oh, you know, just oh, sort of a nice. Oh, I thought you were you know, talking just about crawling on you. Kind of, oh, that's kind of nice until they bit you. I don't think they they're not really. Well, I know they're not venomous. They're, they're not poisonous. They're not going to kill you. There might be. A, it's going to fucking hurt. But cockroaches are greasy. They're. Yeah, Oily. and they want to put their little teeny head in things and keep going. So, I'd, nah, butthole. Yeah. Butthole roaches. No little lemmy you. winks. Nah. Lemmy winks cockroaches. Nah, I don't need that. Yeah. And they can probably bite too. I don't know, I've never been bit one. They'll probably lay eggs in you also. That's disgusting. It's just, you don't want any of that. Yeah. Tarantulas. Right? Any concluding thoughts? Um... Uh, no, I don't think so. I, th- yeah, I do. Sure. There's, you know, one thing about like social media and, and, uh, hunters and hunters hating on each other. I like to make fun of a lot of people, but I do it in private just because it's fun. Yeah. But in public, one thing I don't get is other hunters making fun of other hunters and, and in, in public. Yeah. And, you know, on Instagram or on Facebook just unfollow them if you don't want to see it. Yeah. Don't feed into, don't give anti-hunters and all that ammo. So Don't give them things to go on. So. Because they're. All right. So I, I appreciate that you say that. I kind of wanted to bring this up earlier and I, I just. It just didn't. We I forgot rushed about over it. social media completely. So you posted a video the other day where you're making fun of a ton of hunters publicly. Yes. yes. So you're saying don't do that. Do it in private. But you yourself are large-scale making fun of anybody anybody so, who might... Hold on. Anybody yeah. who might be getting into hunting, that when they're looking at something, they're like, man, I don't know. I might change my gear to this because yeah. I've never done this. Or I've yeah. never, you know what I mean? So, yeah. So I was riding a fine line, but I was being... I felt like I was being funny with it. Because mm-hmm. it's just yeah. the, the terms that people use. You know, I'm running... What gear are you running? And I'm running these bullets. And running is crazy. It's like, ah... Yeah. So I was, I was making fun of whoever in nobody your feed. specifically. Well, you were making fun of whoever in your yeah. feed you're seeing say that. Because in my yes. feed, I don't ever see that. Here is well, it's it's on every gear review or whatever else. And there was honestly I don't there follow is, gear review. There isn't a specific person that I was thinking of. There what there really was not. Yeah. It's just like the terminology, you know, was whatever. No. Specifically what I mean is <clears throat> If you don't like Cam Haynes, don't follow him. Don't freaking follow him. Yeah. If you don't like what, who else? If you don't like Ad, I'm I'm thinking of specifics now because some people it's like 
dude, is it all you do on Instagram? Is is this your point? Mm-hmm. Is to call out specifics about hunters and like start these clans where like I'm on this clan and you're in this clique and we're yeah. cool and you're not cool and this hunter did this and I heard this guy only hunts on with a guide and blah 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 and he broke the law here and let's tell everybody else about it. like what good does that do? Yeah, I, I don't. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. I like to have fun yeah. with with you know making fun of stuff like that. No, I mean actual like it's actual hate. Yeah. And I don't think um, that that is, I don't think that's good because we are a minority and um, hunters are a minority and there can be, and you have to look at it like a family. Like your uncle might be a giant douchebag, but he's still your family. You don't go to like some other family and start ripping, you know what I mean? You don't start tearing your own family apart. You deal with your family from within if you need to deal with it or whatever else. But it's not that complicated on social media. Unfollow the people. Yeah. There's like sites dedicated to exposing what this guy did or that guy did. And most of it's on rumors. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knows the full truth about something or whatever else. Or this guy has a, a fishing game violation. Or not even a violation. He was you know, suspected or something. You know, Things like that. And people just start talking about it. But then it becomes truth. Because it's all in you know, your perception is reality. You know what I mean with that? And so that would just be, that would be my only thing is you and I, when this podcast is done, we'll make fun of somebody, but I'm not going to like public, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're not going to, um, you ain't out there trying to publicly humiliate other hunters. No, it's stupid. Like what is it doing yeah. for you? Yeah. You know, it's not doing a freaking dang thing for you and and it's just given ammo it's somewhere somewhere along the line pete is going to see something be like this guy did what and this hunter saying this about what they they're they're trying to divide yeah well i think what you're boiling it down to is negativity negativity is unneeded yeah and i don't give a fuck if you're a hunter or if you're anybody it does not matter we as people are already so critical and so judgmental of ourselves, whether it's when we look in the mirror or when we're in a relationship and how we're acting and how we're behaving, if we're alcoholics, if we're drug addicts, if we have secret lives that people don't know about, like there's already so much pressure <laughs> yeah. in our lives as human beings and human nature that for people to be negative to other people directly or indirectly and 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 I guess gang up kind of is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And gang up on other people, it's fucking unneeded. It's bullshit. Why do people do it? Why do people prescribe to it? It's kind of what you're getting at. And and in, in my opinion, man, is like negativity. You know, and Joe Joe Rogan does a great spiel about this. Is negativity is fucking cancer. Well, it's it's it's, yeah. it's fucking cancer. I was just man. thinking about him. Yeah. And and for me. What I do is I just try to avoid negativity at all costs. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I try to be as positive as I can. And, and I'm only saying what I can do for myself and what I try to apply and what I try to bring into my life because it's what works for me. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and for me, avoiding the negativity and avoiding the bullshit and, and trying to be as positive and as helpful as I possibly can. What I'm essentially trying to do is pack as much into life as I can on any given day. And I try to lead by example. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because there's no reason to to not. We're hard enough on ourselves as it, as it is. 
You know what I mean? Everybody has their own trials and tribulations. You know what I mean? And I, and I learned this a long time ago. Everybody has their own story of their own problems. And nobody knows what it's like to walk in anybody else's shoes. Ever. Mm-hmm. Right? And when we make these comparisons or these crazy accusations or come up with these fabricated stories that are heard through the grapevine or whatever it may be, there's absolutely like, why, man? Why do we have to be negative to mm-hmm. one another? Mm-hmm. What is that? What is what is me being negative to you going to do? Why am I going to waste time out of my life to do that? Why is sabotaging your life or humiliating you or making you feel like shit, why is that important to me? Is my life that bad? Mm-hmm. Do I feel that need that I need to do something to other like that's if and then correct me if you think I'm wrong but like isn't that what we did as children in the play yard yeah in first and second grade yeah it like, is like so you just want to be a fucking bully your whole life it's 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 not as extreme but you know um I laugh at gangs yeah because all that really is is a bunch of people that never made it out of third grade mentality. Yeah. And yeah, you can come and shoot me and have, you know, but how stupid. Yeah. I'm wearing this color and you have to be on this street. Like, yeah. Oh my well, gosh. Come you on. Now that's a whole different, to me, that's a whole different topic. And that kind of gets into like, I wear Sitka, I wear Kuyu, I wear it does. But, but what I, but what I mean is like, it's like, it's, it's small micro versions of that same kind of For larger sure. mentality. For sure. You know? And, um, it, I get it. There's some other complications to that, but still, it's what I mean, you just, were saying back to elementary stuff. It, yeah. it really is. It's, yeah. it's 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 the elementary kind, and not all hunters are going to hunt the same. People come from completely different. Joe Rogan, you brought him up, but he came from. He was introduced to hunting from you know Stephen Ranella, and then Cam Haynes, and but and he's John not, and all that. Yeah, but he's not like you know. He does what he does, and he's only been at it for a few years. He's not an expert on it, but he, but he doesn't claim to be. But he doesn't, like he doesn't claim to be. He's just out there having a fucking. And he fun might time. say some things or go on a hunt because he can afford it. And you know what? Um, I would you know, too. I would too. Exactly. So who cares if he's doing that? Like, yeah, yeah I'd do the same freaking thing if I my net worth if, was thirty million dollars. If I had a company that was offering to pay for me to go on. A world-class elk hunt or a sheep hunt or any of these crazy dream hunts that I have to go on, Yeah, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Sure. All day long. That's the thing. If you put yourself in that position. So it's like, you know, don't... Who cares? Everybody does something differently. And everybody... Uh, it's it's fun to have fun. I was having fun with that. Yeah. Hey, guys, what, what binos are you running? Yeah. You know, I was trying to have fun with that. And I honestly didn't, almost didn't post it. I'm like, whatever. Man, most people laughed. If I offended people, then um, let me know. <laughs> then and I'll, unfollow and I'll, you. I'll, uh, then I'll, unfollow you. Well, whatever. Unfollow me. Or I can just apologize because that's not what I meant. But <laughs> I, was just, I, was just, I was just having fun because I really don't like to – I don't even get into that stuff. But For sure. Sometimes I go down the rabbit hole and I'm like, oh, God, what's going on in the – What's going on in these clicks? You know, there's it's kind of depressing a little bit. Yeah. There's a lot of people in it that yeah. take part of it. For sure. Anyways, don't be negative. Thanks for tuning into the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. 
you can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website, Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at the flip flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.